3: One. I felt intimidated in the workplace. I wouldn't want to do that. Like, I'm not out there to upset anybody.
4: We have a finite amount of time. We really are meant to make a difference to other human lives.
1: As far as cancer concerns, well, you own a property, so you can't get emergency accommodation. But I can't get into it.
3: Join the conversation. Call 0818 96, 96, 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96 FM. You have that Friday
5: feeling. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Friday feeling. The second is the second Friday in in January. The only Friday feeling you have is stone flipping broke for about the next. Two weeks. Good morning to you. 0818 96 96 96. The number. The text a WhatsApp is 083 96 96 96. And the email opinion at 96fm.ie. There's a great dumbest criminal story in one of the papers this morning, which I will get to. This guy was nabbed with a load of cocaine in his van. <laughs> the guard stopped him and... Literally didn't like the look of his nose, and on instinct, the guard decided to better search this fella's van, and so they found a shedload load of cocaine in it. But that's not nearly the best bit of the story. I'll find it during the morning. It gave me a laugh this morning, so it did. Now, to start off with something that's not laughing matter at all, um, do you remember before Christmas we did a piece on how youngsters? People who your kids who are way too young to be doing it were asking for skincare from Santa. They were writing to Santa asking for skincare products because they saw it on TikTok or whatever they were looking for. And in the last couple of days I read another survey coming in from not just the UK, not just America, but all over the world. This very, very respectable survey backed by the American Medical Association. ...tells us that one in ten teenagers stroke adolescents... ...that's anyone between, what, ten and eighteen... ...has taken diet pills at some stage. This They did this survey. Did Ninety sep- the, the numbers in this are staggering... ...because they're global numbers. They did 90 studies of children aged 18 and under... ...from the UK, Europe, North America, the Caribbean... ...all over Asia... And then published by the American Medical Association. Nearly one in ten teenage girls. And the sample size, before anyone starts talking about shocking statistics, for the sake of shocking statistics, the sample size was over 600,000 kids. That's a lot of kids taking diet pills. It's too easy to get them. God, it's a while since we've spoken. Lauren edwards lauren or lucifer with some great chats over the years living now in dubai lauren good morning to you
6: good morning pj how are you long time
5: great it's been a while how's life with you in the sunshine
6: no i'm actually back home at the minute okay i was away for a bit right
5: so you i was in
6: dubai for a bit i'm back home now yeah
5: okay good for you good for you yeah now You had, and God, we've talked openly about the problems you've had in your life, but at one point, you nearly killed yourself with these pills.
6: Yes. Correct. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I well, I mean, I believe that um, this is a huge pandemic with mental health at the minute, especially around the Internet and body dysmorphia. But yes, I fell into that category uh, many moons ago and I took, um, I think, don't quote me, but I think they were called DMPs at the time,
7: mm.
6: basically looking for a quick fix. Um, I mean, in hindsight now, I was quite slim, but I I did suffer with eating disorders. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I took DMPs and almost had um, liver failure. My eye whites went yellow. Um, I was hospitalized for over a week. Um, Yeah, it was a bad state of affairs. How did you get them? My breathing went. I got them off a friend at the time, but they were, I mean, the dark web. You could get them anywhere if you needed to, you know? Yeah.
8: Yeah. So yeah.
5: DMPs, I what, what are dead. they?
6: They're... I think this will tell you, I didn't know enough about them. I got sold a story that they were um, really, a really, really quick fat burner. I believe, um, again, don't quote me, but I believe that bodybuilders used to use them for cutting weight. Nice. So, of course, I heard cutting weight and that was it quick fix yeah thank you I'll take two weeks worth of those I think I was on day eight or something when I yeah all the symptoms started happening my speech went my uh, vision started to go I was extremely dizzy as I said my eye whites turned yellow Um, that's liver damage anyway yeah yeah correct
5: and tell me Lauren were you taking a regular dose or did you up it a bit
6: no, I was regular dose. Um as I said I was quite slim at the time. Also, I wasn't um I wasn't in obviously doing bodybuilding. Um I was just looking for a quick fix and wanted to cut the weight. So I certainly wasn't doing or eating half enough calories. Again, I didn't know much about them. I just heard diet pills, fat burners and jumped on that bandwagon and of course nearly paid my life with it. So Yeah,
5: you said you you were dizzy? Couldn't breathe properly. Disease. You were josted. Yeah,
6: it was when my yeah. It was when my breathing went. Is when wow. I started to panic and my speech started slurring. I couldn't get a, um, a sentence together. Crikey! Yeah, yeah. I think that was seven or eight days in, on that period.
5: Because, as we've talked before about your various adventures with performance enhancing substances, to, so to speak, over the years, <laughs> that's why I thought you might have been topping up but but you were just taking a regular dose wow
6: yeah yeah they were quite they were quite strong again we don't know what's in the, in these diet pills i do know nowadays that there is um i know nowadays that you can just go on the internet and buy whatever from wherever you yeah. know that's the frightening part and as i said at the beginning it's i mean we're dealing with The pandemic, as far as I'm concerned and as far as I've always been concerned, is people's mental health. Now we have a rise in body dysmorphia. We have a rise in eating disorders and certainly not enough services, PJ, because, um, again, don't quote me. But at the time when I was going through my eating disorders, um, when they were heightened, uh, there was little or no services. There was three beds in the whole of Ireland. That's
5: right. There's still not many Um, more. There's
6: still not too many more. No, I I don't think so. I think I heard it on the radio recently. Um, There is parents out there crying out for help and support. And although I would have been, I am cross addicted with the substances, as you said, um, my eating disorder and eating disorders are a lot more complex than addiction. And we know how, how scary addiction is. Well, you, well, so,
5: um, well yours would have been a case of dual diagnosis and, and, and we've as in yes. eating disorder and addiction and we've, we've talked about that over the years and that that's, that's tragic and there's people there's people hanging by a thread all over the country Absolutely. from that now at the time that yes. you took this you didn't know it at the, at the time but you learnt that a little boy a young boy had died yes. from the very same thing only a few days before <laughs> you took your ones
6: yeah, from the very same thing. I think it was about a week prior. Um, and when I went in, so initially I think I went to South Doc and just kind of, I, I didn't give them too much information. But then when I realized my symptoms were getting worse and how serious the situation was, when I went to the hospital, um, I got honest with it and just said, listen, I'm after taking these tablets because um, I started Googling and I think I seen that. Yeah, and, and I had heard it on the news at the time that a boy had died from them. Um the week prior. So what they had to do when I was in the hospital um, in the A and E department, uh, they rang the National Poison Centre up in Belfast. Cranky. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was pretty serious. How I mean, did they I reverse
5: it? Did they hooked you up to all sorts of drips to?
6: Yeah, drips, IVs, uh, monitoring, kind of um, just the usual vitals, checking everything. Um, I had to run a few tests. Um, yeah, it was. A, it was extreme. Yeah. Wow. I mean, because as well, because I had explained my situation and said that I suffered with eating disorders um, because, I mean, they they took one look at me, seeing how slim I was. I was taking fat burners. I mean, it's a big red flag, really. Um, so they had called a psychiatrist. But again, there was no aftercare. There was no after support with this. There was no. And I I, I still find, I mean, I'm actually working in the addiction sector at the minute, and I actually find for eating disorders, there is there is little or no support. I know there is one clinic in Cork, I think. Again, don't quote me on this, but I think there's very little. There's, I know there's another 12-step program that I had attended at one point around the eating disorders, but after that, there's not much. You're just getting a lot of um, saturated self-help stuff that isn't very helpful when you're dealing with this type of mindset. Um mm. Yeah, it's it's crazy. So I've I've since we've spoken PJ I've actually um studied I've studied an awful lot to help become a part of this um to help become a part of this solution to our problem that we are facing in the mental health sector. Um yeah. particularly around particularly around eating disorders because there is just not enough support.
5: Yeah. Yeah, at yeah. the time we talked first you your eating disorder, your dual diagnosis You were only just becoming aware of it, isn't that right?
6: Wow, that must have been a long time ago. Yes, correct. I was, yeah. Um, I always knew it was there, but I hadn't deep-dived into it. I mean, the initial, I suppose, red flag at the time was the addiction, and then after it was, yeah, I I suppose my eating disorders became secondary. But this is, I see this in a lot of cases now. um, You deal with the initial addiction, and then... You're kind of left with the old behaviors and mentality with your eating disorders. Yeah, and as I said, it's a lot more complex. It is a lot more complex because I, 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 to describe it to people. I mean, if you think an alcoholic, you just no, I say just I don't mean just, but you must put down the drink, correct? Yeah. So and then deal with the internal or the emotional and mental issues along that comes after that and why you drank in the first place. But when it comes to something like um, eating disorders, you must eat. So you yeah. must eat. So you're giving your, let's say, quote, uh, drug of choice, which would be food or something that you have an unhealthy relationship with, and you must build a healthy relationship. And now there is no supports out there to build that healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. You just have saturation on the internet. You have um, quick fixes, fad diets, nothing that is sustainable long term, nothing that deals with the initial issue and the mindset around this i know there's a lot of mums i i heard recently on the radio um a lot of mummies um in despair because of this with no support having to send their having to send their kids over to the uk to get some help and support
5: that's right what you have as well is and i was reading about this was you've a lot of youngsters who have an eating disorder it hasn't quite been diagnosed or recognized as such but they become addicted then because they start self-medicating for the odd feelings in their head. They start self-medicating to try to make that go away. Then you end up with a double problem.
6: Absolutely. A lot of the times, a lot of the times, um, people are cross-addicted. A lot of the times. it's. I mean, if you, if you think of addiction in a very short, uh, in a whole, I mean, you're trying to relieve pain or have a quick... Um, a quick fix to your problem yeah you know it's people trying to self-medicate really um i mean obviously as i said i work in the addiction sector now and you know it's just it's the the numbers they're getting younger they're getting a lot more. I mean, we know the the suicide rate at the minute is through the roof. I said this at the very beginning when the first pandemic happened. I just said the pandemic is going to be people's mental health. This yeah. is going. I mean, we've seen that up in Dublin a couple of months ago.
5: Yeah, a lot of people people's who had anyway, if your mental health was, was any way iffy at all, the pandemic mm-hmm. could have made you 10 times worse. And indeed, for many people... It 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 Absolutely. did it did. How are you these days?
6: I'm really good. I'm really good. I'm a mummy now since we spoke last. Oh,
5: <laughs> how old?
6: Yes, she is two on Sunday. Ah, oh, brilliant! Little rogue. She's amazing. What's yeah, her name? She is amazing. Wolf.
5: W- Wolf. Ah, oh, that's great.
6: Yes. Of course it is. I was never going to have a Mary, PJ. <laughs> I was always going no. to be
5: different. <laughs> <laughs> actually, well, Wolf, Lucifer, you know.
6: <laughs> you know.
5: Has we, Come crazy. here, by the way, Lauren. <laughs> has Lucifer left the building, girl?
6: She has indeed. She Good. has indeed. As I said to um, one of the lads on the show, I said that actually I've so I've taken this time now and I've learned a lot from my first blog. I learned an awful lot. Now that page has since been hacked and taken down. So it was a disaster, but um, I've learned a lot since then. So I found that I came out like public with my story. There was a lot of people reaching out to me because there was no one else really doing that as raw and creative, I guess, as I was doing it at the time. Yeah. And what I found was, there was no supports, there was no one else out there, you know, um willing to talk about it. So I found although each blog post I did about each different subject, you know, they were they were still reaching out to me, even though I had given supports and um, you know, numbers, etc. at the end of it, which each which each um subject but so what I did was after that, I learned a lot and I went on and studied. I've studied psychotherapy, um, mindset and life coaching. I've studied um, multiple different avenues to help become, yeah, as I said, to help become a part of the solution to this.
5: Good for you. And you, you, you come from a time. place of knowledge that, you know, is only well, acquired through hard experience. Yeah.
6: Mm-hmm. yeah, I've life experience. I mean, I'm eight years sober now. Oh, um, well I have... Thank you very much. Yeah, I have endless life experience, all the do's and don'ts, the trials and errors, and um, yeah, I've just backed it now with my education because I think, you know, I mean, from my experience, people who are going through something, they don't, they they can relate. It's a lot more relational when you've been through it yourself, when you've come out the other side of it, and you walk that walk, and then you back that with education. I mean, it's it's a pretty good position to be in to help people, you know.
5: I'm so thrilled to hear you in such good shape. Lastly, for parents who'd be worried by, and this, as I said, this isn't a, this isn't something like a front page of a red-top survey. This carries the weight of the American Medical Association and mm-hmm. nearly 605,000 kids around the world were interviewed here. Do not ignore these findings and keep an eye no. on your kids.
6: Absolutely, and I mean, as well, like, I mean, I keep coming back to this, but it is, it is so, it is so true. And like on my research of all this and where the problems are lying is, is very much social media, the pressure, the, you know, this idealization of how you should look, it's getting younger. I mean, there's the TikToks of the world and all these kids trying to look a certain way. I mean, it's, it is, although it's shocking to me, it's no shock that this is happening. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's huge. I mean, before when we were kind of growing up, you know, Early nineties, you'd have the supermodels, magazines, these kind of things. But mm. like, it is in your face, in your hand, and in your pocket at all times on your phone now. Yeah, it's people's st- self-esteem are to the is to the floor. So that is kind of what I'm building at the minute. Um, is just having an online platform, a community where I can build up people's self-esteem, um, work mm. with promoting like mine. Like, actually, you know what? Integrating a lot of these practices. So you know, coaching um psychotherapy um mindfulness holistic practices in incorporating them all together because i don't believe that it's a one-stop shop i looked at my own scenario on, on my healing journey and it was that i used multiple sources of healing techniques mm-hmm. that's what i found worked for me what? it's like going to the gym but you know, you're know, you not fixing the mind uh, or the problem in your mind you're not fixing your emotional issues you're going to the gym working on your body you know what i mean a lot of people find the gym quite daunting and quite, you know, overwhelming to go. Mm. Uh
5: If anybody wants to find you these days and maybe, you know, reach out to you because people always do, where can they find you online?
6: Well, I have just put up, I have a website nearly finished now, but for now I will plug my new social media that I'm rebuilding from scratch. (laughs) Um, So it is Lauren Edwards Public on Instagram for now.
5: Alright, mm-hmm. listen, I am delighted that you're so well I am delighted that you've succeeded I am particularly delighted that you, uh, you have a little two-year-old You mind yourself, girl mm-hmm.
6: She's amazing, thank you so much PJ It was lovely to talk to you
5: Take care, good to catch up again We talked many years ago when she was just sober and just holding it together um, There's something about her It's just something about how she came to be where she is. Thank you, Lauren. 0818 96 96 96. We're talking, in case you missed the start of that, we're talking about this survey backed by the American Medical Association. It's a global survey of nearly 605,000 kids aged under 18. And it found that one in ten, one in 10 teenagers have either considered... Or have actually taken diet pills. And Lauren will podcast that later. Lauren took them years ago and nearly died on a regular dose. More about this next. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety-six ninety-six.
3: The two grand minute. Listen to play at seven forty and eight forty every day. I'm
9: in love with the
3: Answer 10 questions in 60 seconds to claim 2,000 euros. 2,000 euros. Yeah. The two grand minute. With Cork Dental Care, you'll be all smiles when you see their treatments with Invisalign at CorkDentalCare.ie. Lorraine and Ross in the morning. Money. On Cork's 96FM. In the context of
5: this survey that tells us that one in 10 teenagers have taken or at least considered taking a diet pill Kate says all the women's magazines are about judging and changing your body. It's at the supermarket checkout. You must do this you must do that. It's not just online, although online is important too. It's in the playgrounds and the corridors at the schools it's very difficult to escape I would Add to that, Kate, that the online world has made it 24 hours a day. We've spoken before with the great group called Bodywise. Ellen Jennings joins me. Before we look at this survey, Ellen, remind us again of the work that Bodywise do. Good morning.
10: Good morning, PJ. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so Bodywise is the national volunteer organisation supporting people affected by eating disorders and their family in Ireland. So, People don't need a diagnosis to avail of our support services. They can really get in touch if they need information, if they're looking for support um, or if they're concerned about someone else. So I think that's, you know, an important thing to emphasise that people don't need a diagnosis to avail of our support.
5: And we might give out some of your contact details later. This survey, which is extremely credible uh, and global, what does it say to you?
10: Yeah, look, it's really, really worrying that children and young people across the world, so not only in Ireland, are, are being able to access these unregulated diet products um, that not only are ineffective, but they are potentially dangerous to the person's health. Um, that comes alongside some statistics that we're seeing in an Irish context as well, that more Irish young people are engaging in dieting or doing something else to lose weight. And that was from the Health Behaviour and School-Age Children Study, And alongside that, we're seeing an increase in people affected by eating disorders. Um, And we do know that dieting and body dissatisfaction are two of the major risk factors for the development of an eating disorder. So this is something that we're taking very seriously and, um, you know, considering how serious an eating disorder can be, both due to the physical complications, but also the psychological complications and increased risk of suicide so it's it's really concerning that so many young people are being exposed to these um, types of products mm-hmm. and as you say that that diet culture that seems to surround every aspect of the person's life
5: mm-hmm. we, we, we thought that diet culture was on the wane or at least that you know we'd begin to see sense and 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 look away from it but it's it's out there and it's pervasive and people I, I learned a term. Ellen over Christmas just in a chat with my daughter actually and we're talking about it and she said that one of the most frightening things that she sees around her, she's 26, is people, and she used a term, villainizing certain food groups, deciding that a certain food group is not going to be part of their diet, not going to be part of their life and that's the start of something going wrong isn't it?
10: It can be. Yes. What you've said there is kind of putting that moral value on food. So seeing food as good and bad. And, you know, when it comes to disordered eating and the development of an eating disorder, the thinking can become very black and white. So the person doesn't see kind of the grey area between what's a good food and a bad food. And that can lead then um, to more and more rules around what they can and can't do and eat. And um, there's more and more rules around certain behaviours and rituals. So it really can escalate from there. And particularly when we're thinking of this time of year, you know, there can be so much um, in January around kind of body weight and shape and um engaging in more exercise and starting New Year's resolutions. And that can be a really difficult time for people. I've heard a number of people reach out to me to say that, um, it all started for them in a new year with a health and fitness regime. But then there was more and more rules that came along with that and it really spiraled from there. And rather than them feeling a sense of control over what they were doing, it then became that the eating disorder began to control them. Mm -hmm. And so that's where it kind of tips over into something that's more serious.
5: It can take control very, very quickly. Eleanor, some people prone to slipping into an eating disorder are some people more resistant to it than others
10: so there are a number of factors that can lead to someone um, being more at risk of developing an eating disorder and that's factors that are internal to the person so it might be things like a tendency towards perfectionism a tendency towards black and white thinking an anxious personality and then things that are external in the world around them as well all play a role so things like um, social media the media, what we're talking about in terms of diet culture and then also genetics can play quite a big role in this um, so really when we think of major risk factors such as dieting that can lead someone down a path that's difficult to to come back from and that's mm-hmm. why early intervention is really important.
5: You mentioned January and, and New Year's resolutions uh, could be remiss of me not to raise the the current topic of conversation and it's been a repeated topic of conversation over the last number of years, programs like, and I'm not singling it out, but programs like Operation Transformation. Have you a view on it?
10: Look, it's a really difficult time of year for people and I think it's not only um, conversations around particular campaigns that are going on, but also, you know, that filters into The conversations that go on in a person's workplace, and a person's home, and a really concerning finding from this particular study around diet pills was that um, it was correlated, the use of the diet pills was correlated with the parental influence to lose weight, as well as that impact of social media and media.
5: Oh, talk to me about that. Parental influence.
10: Yeah, so I suppose when we think of the influence of that environment around the person, external factors around them, when we're brought up in a culture that kind of values a certain body shape and a type, that can have an impact on how the person views themselves and their self-esteem. And as I say, it's, it's internal factors and external factors that play a role. So it, it will depend from person to person, but there is an influence of those external factors and the world around the person on, on how they feel about themselves.
5: Mm. Come back lastly one more time to the survey and for parents listening who, who might be concerned because one thing about being a parent of teenagers as I was one time is that they can hide more from you than you realize. So what are the what are the red flags for parents of teenagers that they could keep an eye to?
10: Yeah, so as you say, eating disorders are quite secretive in their nature and it can be difficult for someone to open up about what might be going on for them. Um, So I suppose we break it down into the behaviours that we see on the surface that are really a symptom of what's going on underneath for the person. So there's um, thoughts and emotions that are going on underneath that are really feeding into these behaviours. So things like avoiding social situations becoming really... um, internal to themselves. Um, They might be engaging in a lot of exercise or very particular on the types of foods that they will. Uh, They might have a change in personality that's very noticeable, mood swings, things like that. And then there's the physical aspects of the eating disorder that aren't always noticeable from the outside. I think that's important to note that someone of any shape or size can actually experience an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. And what we see on the outside isn't always reflective of what's going on internally for a person.
5: Okay and just keep an eye and talk to them and encourage them to talk to you. Your website is www.bodywise.ie which is www.bodywise.ie do- Ellen Jennings, thank you very much for being with us today Thank you Cheers, Ellen Jennings of uh, Bodywise 1 in 10 teenagers either considering or has in fact taken a diet pill and as Lauren told us If they're buying them online, they could be taking anything. And she nearly killed herself and discovered in the few days after when she was making her recovery that a youngster in Belfast had actually died uh, the previous week. Totally out of left field, Rose is asking, PJ, is there any update on the people who were flooded in Glenmire? Did they get what they were promised, I wonder? I don't think so, from what I have been hearing. Ashling was the person who spoke most to us after the flooding in Glenmarsh, spoke to Gareth, and then spoke again to me, and I went down to visit her down in the house, um, and that, down that was down in Copper, Copper Valley View, is the name of the place, and they were very worried that the water would come up again and they wouldn't be able to stop it and all of that. I think things were okay, over the holiday period. I think they were anyway. Um, maybe we'll catch up with Ashton again in the next while and with the others to see are they getting what they were promised after the floods from Storm Babbitt back in uh, late October, stroke early November. Thanks for that, Rose. 0818 96 96 96. Come here to me. When was the last time, think now, think hard, when was the last time you used a phone box uh, to actually make a regular call, not just a an emergency call or anything like that. When was the last time you used a phone box? Do you remember phone cards? I think, do they, they I, I know phone boxes now, some of them in the UK where they still exist, you can tap your card and, and, and pay for your phone call that way. But when was the last time you actually used a phone box in the city? See there where um, proposals have been set out now by Cork City Council to replace the phone boxes in Cork City. The existing ones are to be taken out and replaced with new kiosks. This came up with last Monday night's meeting that the council would engage with air over the next few months. There's 15 phone boxes in the city centre and there's five more around the outskirts or around the satellite towns, Ballancolic, Douglas, St. Louis, Cathedral, Old Channel. So that's 20-odd phone boxes in or around uh, the the immediate city and then you into Carragalline just there by Janeville they took the old phone box and turned it into a a defibrillator station which is a fantastic idea but do you remember the the last time you used a phone box, do you ever remember ringing home or ringing the operator I'm making myself old now, ringing the operator and placing a reverse charge call or the way you used to there was buttons on it, although they did away with this now in the more modern ones. There was buttons on it and you tap the button and you might eventually get through Or did you sneak out to ring someone special on a phone box? And would you be saving up your coins so you could ring someone special on a phone box? Tell me about your phone box story. When the last time last time you used one, was the last time you saw one working? <laughs> I mean do any of the ones there's the best band to ask Aiden. From IT Repairs on Oliver Plunk Street. Do any of the ones down there, Aidan, even work anymore? Good morning. Hi, good morning, PJ.
11: No, I don't think so. For years, I don't think so. I just remember seeing a fellow once. Um, But um, yeah, no, it's great that at last, at last, we're moving into modern times. (laughs) Mm. But um, yeah, no, uh, it's great that they'll finally get rid of these dirty things. Now, you because, you've, you've uh,
5: been on with us before about the graffiti and people using them for things they weren't intended for at all. And some of the least being for toilet use, graffiti, filth, other such filth, drug taking going on yeah. in them. They're not doing away with them completely, they're replacing them with kiosks.
11: Yeah, well at least um at least they, well, what you just mentioned but they won't be using them for that anymore. Um, but like it, it'll be a much cleaner uh, thing, you know, mm. um, and and it'll be much neater and smaller. Um, the the only thing I would still say is uh, like outside the shop here, at least one or two people a day fall off the, the 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 footpath. You know, the footpath is there with the loading bays, yes, which are great, obviously, for the courier guys in the morning and uh and it's brilliant that the, you're you're not allowed to drive up all over plunkett street after 5 in the evening that was a great thing cork city council introduced but the footpath itself it, 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 it people are falling off it because they're walking along and they think that there's no they think there's no um Dip. there's no difference in, in 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 height between the footpath and the road and they're falling and kids falling flat on their face and uh, but I don't mind kids because they're they're, they're bounceability but mm-hmm. it's the old people that'd be worried about breaking their hip or whatever you know yeah uh, uh,
5: like, uh, do you ever see anyone looking to use the phone box as in going in and looking to see if anyone's working because I did have a look over Christmas when I was in town the ones outside your shop there I opened them up and until the last time they worked was some shortly after the second world war i would say some of them But, like <laughs> do you know that, yeah. what does it, what do you think anyone would use these new ones they're putting in
11: um i don't know uh, as you say a defibrillator is a brilliant idea um um but um, I I I don't i can't see anybody using them no uh, i can't see anybody using them at all but uh, at mm. least the, the the big ugly things will be gone anyway. Yeah. But the, just 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 I know it's I'm off subject here, PJ. and I'm sorry about that. But okay. if 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 the council could could somehow paint an uh, uh, a yellow paint on the inside lip of the footpath, it, it would it would provide the psychological barrier that would stop the person from falling. You know.
5: Yeah. Well, uh, to be fair, to be fair, you've been campaigning for years about the state of the phone boxes, and something is finally happening. Maybe, and those loading bays are a great idea, as you say, but you could easily trip and fall on the edge of them, so it wouldn't hurt if they were, the edges were more visible. That's, that's, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. But
11: the street but itself is—it's a brilliant street, the Street. Uh, a bit more guard presence, uh, like everybody's asking for all over the country. I'm, I'm sure
5: there was more over yeah. Christmas, and it—it it, it was noticeable. There was a few guards around, and a lot of people were saying it was great. It was great sense like of relaxation. Come back again to the tech I think look, it phones technology—that's what you do there in in your shop. Like, have you seen these phones now? I—I I heard of them in the UK. They have got phone boxes, but you tap a card to make a phone call. That worked, do you think?
11: Uh... I I I I I don't know because I honestly think every single person, uh, whether it's senior citizens, the Doro is great f- uh, for senior citizens. Even the Doro smartphone now is just—it's a user-friendly smartphone. When you, when you just have the three contacts or whatever, it's extremely f- friendly, user-friendly for any any senior citizen that hasn't had you um, experience of a smartphone. But um, I think everybody has a phone, and and uh, especially. <clears throat> Did they have a full battery? The only the young people like, yeah, um, that are addicted. Well, I'm addicted myself, and I'm not far from you. Aren't we all? But it um, uh, the, the, the battery run runs out. But the old power banks we sell them for fifteen euros—a great thing just to have it, a backup. I mean, for your pocket,
5: pocket, you know. Well, at least they're going to get something a bit more attractive than those. Um, and there's been a lot of push, and you've been driving that push for quite a number of years, so there is something going to actually happen with them now. Aidan, thank you and continued success to IT repairs down on Oliver Plunker Street. Um, Yep, phone boxes are being replaced with new ones. But when was the last time? I remember a great thing we did here one time. Uh, Randomly, we went away. We got, just for the sake of something to do, and I think it might have been a Friday because we were kind of looking, what will get people talking now on a Friday? That's part of our job. Um, We got a few numbers, random numbers, For phone boxes up and down Patrick Street, right, the ones that were working. I think we got three or four numbers. Uh, There was one that there's one. There used to be one outside Waterstones, and there was another couple up the two side. There was always one at the top of Winsor Street. So I came here one morning, and in between ad breaks and songs and other conversations, I started ringing the phone boxes just randomly. And you would never guess, in your wildest dreams, who actually answered it. And I thought, you could not make this up. Would you care to guess? No, Kevin, it wasn't you. <laughs> Maybe you can guess, though. But you remember the phone box in Cantorque being broken one yeah. time, and people were stuck. Well,
12: well, no, it's kind of broken in inverted commas. I think there's a technical problem with the phone. Right. that your 10 pence wasn't getting you, like, three minutes. It was getting you 30 minutes. <laughs> and there was a queue... Because the phone box that I'm talking about, was, if people in Kent Harkle know, there's a chip shop called Mickey Finn's. Yeah. And there was a phone box outside that, and the queue was going around the corner for people to phone America and to phone Australia and to <laughs> phone anywhere in the world. But nobody said a, nobody said a word about it. And that phone box was technically broken for the best part of about a month because there was a queue outside of it at seven o'clock every night for people phoning all over the shop. That's a great do story. You know, do you know, I tell, I tell you what though, you go into some of the tourist towns around the place and you see the older phone boxes, the old African fish ones, the, the green and white ones and you see them preserved and you, and they're nice. Yeah. But the, but the old metal boxes were sold as bloody things yeah. and if you, you know yourself, you're going to in, an, in an emergency and <clears throat> the the whiff of them, uh, they were horrible. But <laughs> the other side of it was, I think the last time I used one was when pages were about. Pages, and oh yeah. Do you remember you, you Your page would be, uh, someone's trying to get a hold of me and right, you go to the phone box because you couldn't afford to buy a mobile phone. That's right. You know, just the, the size of the mobile phone, you'd have to carry it in your hand or in, your, in a bag or something. I remember having a
5: pager in my them. newsroom days before yeah. mobile phones. Well, first of all, the ones that were the mobile phones, that were the, you put them into a gear bag, and the gear bag weighed about a stone <laughs> and a half. But secondly, yeah. they were too expensive, and you got about 20 minutes talk time in the whole day. So I had a pager know, yeah. and, a, and, a, and a pocket full of 20-pence pieces, I remember that, I,
12: yeah. I'd say you must be going back into... Probably the early to mid nineties, middle nineties, yeah, middle nineties, middle nineties. I suppose when when they literally dropped off the edge of a cliff, then when when mobile phones became affordable and started to be, become popular, and the network became better, they yeah. they just became pointless. But at the same time, you'd hate to see them all disappear, ah, especially yeah. the nice looking ones, you know
5: it would love to modernise them as well and maybe put a modern device into them where you can maybe tap a card for a phone. Because here's the thing. People Not everyone say, has a mobile. Yeah, but what when yeah. the network goes down, Kev, as they do exactly. inevitably.
12: Exactly. It's, it's one of those things. You, I remember you talking for ages about uh, stuff that councils and the governments have got rid of over the years. The main one being the rail lines. Yeah, It would be a shame to see something like that. There's only 15, so it's it's not the end of the world if you keep them in some way, shape, or form. Keep them usable. Because, like, how many times have you just, oh, my my mobile's been stolen, or I've dropped it on the floor. I need to phone XYZ to come and pick me up. Can I borrow your phone? No, go to the phone box there and tap your car at your yes.
5: you Yes.
12: Know, uh, and just, they, they need to keep them in some way, shape, or form. But, you know, I'd hate to see them gone.
5: Yeah, they're, they're, no they're, they're part there. of our heritage, and like you said, the nice green and yellow or green and pale yellow phone boxes, down yeah. in, oh God, Castle Townsend, they've got one in the original box, and it still works, and it's, <laughs> <laughs> if you
12: have coins. I know, you, you you asked there about the operator, I can remember my first, very very first phone number when we were living in Newmarket as a kid, it was three digits. And those numbers still exist, but they, they just expanded the numbers. Like, they've added the 60 and the 029 and the, all that stuff. But I can remember where the phone directory was at outside the creamery in Newmarket. It was like a port cabin. And inside this port cabin, you, you'd you have to ring them to get to whatever connection you, you wanted. I'm not that old. Like, I'm only, what, 51? Yeah. But I can remember being a kid, and you pick up the phone, and it'll be, Hello? in the markets uh, who you're trying to contact and um, you know you could have sat down and have a conversation with the woman and then the portrait right. in. The of
5: and there was a woman sitting inside there May be a, a woman and possibly called Noreen or Bernadette as lot of were and she had this big headset on her and she loaded leads and plugs so if you yeah. said you wanted Cantor 546 she went five, hello she plugged it into the wall and this like you said <laughs> this this is not 19, 1920 like this is
12: no, this is nineteen seventy seven, seventy eight, seventy nine. You know, and, but the other thing is, well, how did people answer their phones back then? And it wasn't "Hello, how are you?" or "Morning, PJ, how are you doing?" It was "Hello, this is Newmarket, blah blah blah, whatever the number is." <laughs> I, you know. New market
5: 502 yeah exactly yeah. I'm looking for the market 501 this is 502 <laughs> will you ever run next, run next door Tell him I'm looking for him Kev, Kev good to talk to you thanks a million he's not talking about the dark ages like he, I remember being in the Gaeiltocht with Chris Drian in the 80s the 80s maybe was yeah and the phone box in Fjohenach in the Gaeiltocht in Kerry that we used to call home on had a handle on the side of it I'm kidding you not, a handle. And we used to wind the handle. And the operator in Dingle would pick up the phone and, and put you through to your mummy. Fra- and that's not the Dark Ages, Frank. Morning, Peter. She says you're all very old. Now, you remember blocking. No, I did this too. Go on, tell people what you used to do.
1: Well, first of all, Peter, wouldn't you think, no, that the team behind you would have sang happy birthday already? Like? They did already. They did already. What I had strawberry cake do- for breakfast. They didn't do it on your like. I
5: got no, don't be done, don't draw that on me, Frank.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, like, if Ross is around, you know yourself, like. Behave yourself, yeah, go on. <laughs> but, geez, you're right, Peter, you're not looking that long ago, like, you, you are talking about very late 70s, right into the mid 80s. Yeah. Uh, so you had the ones on the street with your button A, button B. That's right. So, so first of all, you're If you. If, if, if you couldn't get through you'd press button B and your money came back your two pence or your five pence or whatever that's right so you so you'd block that with chewing gum <laughs> and and then, and then maybe a couple of hours later on the way home from school like from the man you take out your two gum and you chase. You might get sixpence or eightpence, so you were able to get your one out. <laughs> you did that. Too, to get, did you? you were able to get. You were able to get your loose bag in Mrs. Cattles which actually says her and she gave you, lice and, you <sighs> know, you start, And did you ever pump the pump the buttons? Did you ever? Hit... Oh, absolutely. Are uh, you were just talking about the case, there? No, we were down in Ballingarry, in seventy eight. Seventy eight. You, as you said, you had a one phone box. You had a. The dialer, or the thing on the side, and you had the buttons on top. Mm. So the trick was, you tapped the numbers. So if you wanted two, four, eight, you tapped tap two, then you gave it a second tap four, same again tap eight. Okay. But the trick was, if there was a zero, so you tapped the numbers and dialed the zero, and never failed to work. I know, I know, it never failed never. to work. You I mean, you you basically could. I mean, we we were. There was queues, more cues now at the phone box than there was going into the church in Ballingarry, <laughs> like, you know. And it was, I mean, I worked then in 84 up in the Department of the Galeshout in Dublin, and I was on the switchboard. And as you were saying, they were plugging things into units and was, and that, that's what we had to do. So you plug it in, and it would ring, we say, in the minister's office. But you could actually push up the switch and listen into every conversation <laughs> that. That's how he was. How he was having. I was. I was amazed. I wasn't called to the man tribunal. Like, put us that way,
5: Frank? Good man. Thank you very much. Hey, listen, all this is true. People who are listening and going, "What lads? What are you talking about?" No, you actually could hear everybody. The operator could hear everybody's phone call. And if you had two phones in the house, you could listen quietly to who your mother was on the phone to. I remember that as well.
3: Join the conversation! Email opinion at 96fm.ie This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Forge 96FM The lines are live. Hello! Join the conversation Call 0818 96, 96, 96. WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan Fox 96
5: FM Yeah, no one has guessed yet And if I tell you, you'll go, off course, who else? No one has guessed yet who it was. And this is only about, I would say this is only about six, at most seven years ago. We did this when we rang out phone boxes. Some phone boxes on Patrick Street. We just rang them out to see would anyone pick them up. And somebody did. Outside Waterstones, someone heard the phone ringing and picked it up. And when I heard who it was, I goes, only you. Only you would have done that Anyone guess? No? No? Lisa says, remember 10 years ago The Girl Scouts, we were brought to the phone box To learn how to use one And then we all Called our moms at home Says Lisa, my goodness me That's, you know what, that was a great life lesson Because that was people Young people like you Lisa had grown up with mobile phones And there mightn't even have been a phone at home So many people don't have a phone at home Anymore that was a great life lesson. Well done to whoever whoever thought of that. Mick Nugent, Councillor Mick Nugent says keep a few for defibrillators or tourism kiosks. Definitely a good idea. There is a phone box across from the post office in the North Main Street. Tom says, I have 37 of the old phone cards which you inserted to make a call. They were like, actually they were like a Revolute card or a bank card and you'd put them in and they'd have credit on them and you could, yeah, that's right some of them were as low as 5 cents I know, I know, You maybe one local call out of it I'll come back to phone boxes uh, your own particular, it's like we are not talking about the stone age here people were using phone boxes in Cork up to a few years ago I can remember I think I can rem- I can remember going to an event I'm not too sure what it was now but some big event in Cork and they put up a bank of seven or eight phone boxes, so people could make contact in case the in case the uh, mobile networks went down. Anne says, "I used to ring the operator to reverse the charges when I got off the bus from school, and then when I was interrailing, we used the phone box to ring home because it was cheaper than the mobile." I'll be forty next year," says Anne. "Yeah, I remember being in New York, Anne, and having a mobile phone." And, and going off to New York, working with this radio station, actually involved in, in a program from New York, this is the 90s, the middle 90s, having a, a more, I had one of these sexy flip Motorola phones at the time. They were very sexy at the time, so they were tiny little things. But I rang home, and then I said, Oh, but you've had to me. I know, so, you know, we're not talking about the dark ages. 021 or 0818 96, 96, 96 the number and text to whatsapp 083 396 96, 96 your email opinion at 96 of we had a chat yesterday with olivia and olivia has set up a petition to see would rte consider boycotting the eurovision song contest because of what is happening In Gaza. And that's one element of the whole Eurovision discussion. Eurovision is on the 11th of May this year. Currently, RTE is going through six songs, introducing six songs to us. And of those six, one will be chosen to go forward and represent us at Eurovision. I haven't heard any of them yet. Then I read over the Christmas and New Year that the Wolf Tones would have or are interested in representing. Uh, the Eurovision Ireland at the Eurovision. Now, Brian Warfield, you're not one of the last six, but it's it's something that you would like to do. Good morning.
13: Good morning, to you and happy birthday to you, PJ. Thanks very much. Thanks. Yeah, I want to ask you how old you are now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, um, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I I cleaned that up. We didn't start that, by the way. But um, you know, it's uh, one of those things that uh, you know we've done very bad in the Eurovision over the years, and uh, you know, I, I think it all started with Turkey, the Turkey guy. Uh, and, uh, you know... We, Dustin. Yeah. yeah, Dustin the Turkey. 2012. <laughs> so I think the Wolf Tones will do a lot better than that. But um, the the question is, you know, uh, you know, RT won't be picking the Wolf Tones, that's for sure. Mm. But, uh, you know, why would, why would we not uh, be interested in Having a song like "We'll Never Beat the Irish," you'll never beat the Irish. So to, why not? it be great.
5: You've <laughs> written it yourselves, but the problem yeah. is, it has to be—it has to be a new song that no one can have heard before last oh, September. Yeah, would problem. you have one that's of them? Not... you would find one of them, would you?
13: Oh, I have. A, yeah, I have. I have great ones coming up. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I, I'm writing all the time, PJ. You know that, right? But uh, interesting enough. Um, you know, what the the lady was saying yesterday about uh, RTE should pull out because of... Yeah, the, I was going to bring the, that up with you. What would you think? I certainly would think that they should pull out. I think I, Iceland has the balls to do it, but I don't know whether RTE have it or not. You know, we're being very lax in, you know, uh, making it vocal out there in the world that we don't like what's going on, the genocide in Gaza. And the way to do it is really to ostracize or to boycott things that are involving Israel because they are the perpetrators of the genocide in um, Gaza and in the West Bank. And it's just disgraceful. I use sleepover because I, I can't help thinking about those little children being killed mm-hmm. and maimed and uh, everything else. And nobody crying stop. And I'm very disappointed with America that they're, they're backing this up all the time.
5: So and, and this this kind of conversation, I, I deliberately mentioned that survey because I, I had intended, or that, sorry, that petition, because I had intended to ask you, you know, as as someone coming close to your own musical retirement, and you are, uh, and household names in, in the Irish music business, you would be calling on Ireland to boycott this year's Eurovision.
13: I would certainly call on, uh, on Ireland to boycott the, the Eurovision. And I make that, can I make that as strong as I possibly can? Because we should not involve ourselves or interact with a a government and a country that is using genocide against another people. And it's just heartbreaking for me. And I'm sure it's heartbreaking for a lot of Irish people because we know the suffering. We know the suffering that we went through in our history and we're very close to other people that uh, have to suffer hmm. um, like like we had to suffer over the years. Now, look, so it's I in
5: Sweden that the Eurovision is taking place. Um, the EBU who organise it could uh, expel Israel for the year. This shows no signs of doing it, unlike Russia when it invaded Ukraine. So that's a bit unbalanced in itself, isn't it, Brian?
13: It's always been unbalanced against the Palestinian state. And uh, it's because America are so involved in Palestine, or in uh, Israel, that uh, you know people are are on the line and afraid to come out. Our own government is afraid to come out yeah. at times, and uh, you know they don't want to rattle the rattle the boat with um, with America or anything else like that. But they should, and I call on Sweden to. to uh, to uh, stop Israel coming in for that Eurovision because why should they be in Eurovision at the same time as, uh, as the European people? I know they have Australia and everything else. Yeah. Then Palestine in, you know, and uh, have them part of the Eurovision. But I mean, it's like it's very lopsided. The whole argument, everything is wrong, and I I just can't stand an injustice. Okay. I couldn't stand an injustice in Ireland. And I will not stand for an injustice in the world. That's a very it's
5: strong a- very strong call on on RTE to, to consider, even at this stage, boycott the Eurovision or even further afield if the organisers...
3: Totally, yeah, totally I not taking
5: part this year. Don't know whether either one has a chance of happening, but but you're, you'd certainly in, endorse the cause, Brian. I know that you you guys have decided to to hang up the microphones this year. Although you say you're still writing, probably. I don't see a cork gig on the calendar, my man.
0: Oh well, wait,
13: wait, wait, wait! It it, it is coming. I I just don't know it is yet. Um, but we, we have approached to MCD to, to not leave El Cork, and I don't think we should. Cork is a, one of the first places we went to, with Father Nelson down there in the Matthew Hall, going back to 1963, even before Tommy uh, joined the band. So we've had a great connection with Cork over the years, and my God, I don't think we should leave it out, and I know we won't.
5: All right. Okay, well, if MCD don't work, you could always pick up the phone to Mr. Rake, and there's a big tent, you know. <laughs> and you, you had fun in the tent last summer.
13: <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. And, and uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, I don't know what the event will be yet, but definitely... There will be something I will in Cork. See, I, I will see a gig in Cork and we won't leave without saying bye-bye to Cork.
5: Well, we look look forward to it. Brian, you're sold out all over the country, sold out in a a, a matter of hours, which, which, to be fair, that's great to see. The Wolf Tones, stepping down after 60 years in the business. Love them or hate them, they are part of our musical heritage, and I've worked alongside them and heard them play maybe 20, 30 times over the years. And now there's a strong one today. That's one I think where this all started, thank you Brian where this all started was and we'll see you soon was a a news outlet called meanwhileinireland.com and no I hadn't heard of them either until this came up and and they made up this story that the wolf tones would be contenders for Ireland in Eurovision and that picked up a bit of steam over Christmas and the new year and should the wolf said, well actually we would do that we would love to but they couldn't put in you'd never beat the Irish because according to the rules of the competition, I know sad, you can't have a song that was put in that was aired or publicly performed before last September, so that would kind of rule out you'd never beat the Irish, which they were singing back in 1990. But there's a strong call this morning, and we are talking about a legend in the Irish music industry, the great Brian Warfield of the Wolf Tones calling now on RTE to boycott the Eurovision Song Contest because of what's happening in Gaza or further afield calling on Sweden to exclude Israel from the contest because of what is happening in Gaza I don't see either one happening but there's a lot of feeling out there in favour of it it must be said
3: Callahan brings you the best music mix on Oldies and Irish every Sunday from midday on Corks
14: 96 FM. Welcome along to the program. Great to have your company on a Sunday. As I say. It's a privilege. Hopefully, you can join me.
3: Turn it up and take it easy with a big show on your radio. It's the perfect Sunday soundtrack. So Oldies and Irish with Dario Callahan every Sunday from midday to two p.m. on Corks 96 FM.
1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
5: I told you earlier on, I'd I'd give you this one, the Ireland's dumbest criminal category. We don't get too many of them in it. Um, There's a few, and this is worth this morning. This is about an electrician. I love this story. It's in the papers today. It was an electrician who went out to buy nappies, right, in his van. The van was untaxed. And in the back of the van, he had cocaine worth 1.7 million euro. He got a dip in the courts yesterday of five and a half years. His name was Lawler, Carol Lawler. And when the guards stopped the van to check the tax, they noticed there was a smell of cannabis and that there was something about your man's nose also that they didn't like. So they searched the van and found packages in the back of it, not even hidden properly, um, containing about 1.74 million euro worth of worth of cocaine. But <laughs> well, this is the funniest part. Guy, they, when they were arresting him, the court heard yesterday, Dublin District Court, was <laughs> the guards, you're not exactly a master drug dealer, are you? <laughs> they said to him. And he said, no, not driving around in a car with no tax. I'm not, really, am I? And the judge actually said, Judge Martin Nolan... Said if he was any good, he probably would have taxed his car. Only for an untaxed car, he's now doing five years in jail for, for drugs. Ireland's dumbest criminals are what? Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Did some stuff coming in on phone boxes. It is not the Stone Age, since phone boxes actually worked and people actually used them. A few stories. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. But we have been covering the story since well before Christmas, of Cork's manky water. And that is the only thing you can call it. Manky, dirty, filthy, sludgy water. It started with complaints we got one morning from parts of the north side. And then it spread until we realized that there's dirty manky water in many parts of the city. And it seems to be traced back to the Lee Road, the recommissioning of the Lee Road Waterworks in July of 2022. And members of the city council backed a call last Monday night for the abolition of Ishka Aaron. Now, look, that isn't going to happen. They're not going to wind up Ishka Aaron. But that's the the strength of feeling going through some of the city councillors, and certainly some of the people supporting, or some of the people going to their councillors about dirty, filthy water. I'll speak in a minute to Councillor Ted Tynan. But Jessica, you've two—is it two daughters and? They've got a rash from the water. Good morning, Jessica.
8: Good morning, PJ. How are you?
5: Good, good. What's the story?
8: So, yes. Um, so I have um, a two-year-old daughter and um, a four-year-old daughter. So the both of them have rashes, and it started back in the summer twenty-two when the water started getting dirty. And they after like a week or so when I was batting after their bats they started breaking out and rashes all over their body. I didn't know what it was. I was using all different creams and i have been up and back to the doctors day every two weeks and I told the doctor about the water and he, he is putting it down to the water now. Um, hmm. but like still still to this day they still have rashes today like Great. and myself and my partner are the same we're breaking out in rashes on our legs all the time anytime my sisters use our showers they're the same so it has to be the water
3: mm-hmm.
5: and what colour is the water coming out say of the shower or the kitchen tap
8: um, so now it is clear but we still wouldn't drink the water or anything um, like if you put it up to the light you could see like it's still dirty like if you put a bottle of water next to it you could, you could see it's still discoloured like mm. um, but it was going on for quite a while like it was going on for nearly two years on and off last summer was the worst um, like if even the summertime there I was out get getting pools for the kids and I couldn't even fill the pool because the water was just black Oak. it was just, yeah
2: Oh no! I'm,
5: I'm, so I'm looking at a picture here of water going into a sink, and it's like it's like yeah. Coca-Cola or flat Guinness coming out of that tap.
8: Yeah, it was like terror. We like we had to change taps, we had to change shower heads we had to get a new washing machine. Um, couldn't make the baby's bottles. She was newborn at the time, and couldn't make her bottles. I had to go over to my mum's. I was lucky. My mum, only lived over the road, um, we had to replace everything. Like
5: it's mad it's mad yeah. and, and you, like, you're like you obviously cooking and stuff like that in, in bottled water right? Yeah.
8: we are yeah that's what it is like we're buying gallons and gallons of water all the can't you can't, can't shower you
5: can't shower yeah. in that stuff
8: oh no well we, we do now but when it started going like yellow or brown we don't we go to my mum's or my partner's mum's house oh, I Got a picture. Um, I got but we've no other choice you know
5: got a picture now of the rash yeah God, that's nasty. Is it painful? I yes. mean,
8: yeah. yeah, so my daughter now, like that's going on too. Um she you know, she's just all over her legs and I'm sick of going up to the doctors. I'm up there like every second week, you know, they're probably sick of seeing me up there. Mm. Um, but it's just it's just not clearing, you know. And yeah. like I could go over to my mum's but like sometimes they're away and you know, you can't like you've no other choice but to bat them here. Yeah, um, but I, it's just an ongoing situation. I'm I'm
5: not I'm not a doctor, but that that looks like a that looks like a, a an, an allergy to something in the water.
8: Yeah, and I'm actually the same myself because I I I have severe allergies, so like my eyes have been like puffy and itchy and sore the past like two years. I, I don't know is it from the water but um, like I'm suffering with my allergies are very bad the last two years as well and it only seems to be like after I have my shower like I you know, I wash my face oh. or anything like that with the water
5: That that, that, that looks look, looks like more than a coincidence Stay there for me Jessica I'll bring in your local councillor yeah. uh, Ted Tyne and Ted you've been talking to your locals there Jessica is one of them, you're in the Mayfield yeah. area but it's it's all across the north side and on the south side as well
14: Yes, yeah, all over the city, um, uh, Peter. Pockets of us here and there. Last week, now it was Lagging Grove, another week it was Ballanderry Park. I'm hearing about people up in Sunday as well, Barrack Street, um, oh. Montanati here. I think I've had four or five incidents in the last couple of months. So, oh. all of um, this filth and dirt going 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 through the pipe water system.
5: And when you go and make an inquiry, what are you told?
14: Well, Irish Water, like I'm, I'm not inclined to deal with Irish Water anymore. Just I, I, I have no faith in them. I think the, the whole thing should be uh, dismantled and brought back into city council. But um, at the moment, people are phoning up Irish Water, and there, there's comments from people afterwards saying, "Yeah, yeah, we look, uh, we'll do our best, and we're up there at the moment and all sorts of lame ex- excuses, quite honestly, PJ, you know, such so as... Um, what's wrong is that they have tractors, they come in, go out and do a quick job, but... Yeah. You know? According and, to the and,
5: examiner, they blame a chemical treatment regime at the new plant yeah. out yeah. on the well road, and then what happened was that chemical treatment caused the pipes to if you yeah. want, d- 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 coating, in you know, a long-time coating in the pipes. So the, the, the inside of the pipes yeah. was, uh, yeah. you know, you, you know what I'm getting at.
14: All that goes back to July the 28th, I think, is the date that I was given by the City Council water workers who are aware of all this stuff going on. And what happened was that they, they used sodium hydroxide to purify the water. Yeah. But... Apparently, what happened, and and as you know, PJ, there's a private company you now running um, the treatment plant on the Lee Road, mm. which is a very strange way of 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 doing business because it should be Cox City Council operating as a public, um, publicly owned uh, water company and with the democratic rights and all that to it. But what happened was they put in too much of this sodium hydroxide and scored out the interior of the piping system shifting r- rust and sediment that had built up over the decades decades of it and, yeah. you yeah. know so and this is the end result of it there's people now unable to use the water coming from the tap so it's the whole thing now the, the whole idea the irish water it's time to drop the whole idea now and bring it back under
5: public ownership. Their, their hope wouldn't, I suppose, reading what they're saying as Irish Water, Ischke Aran or whatever it's known as this week, because it has changed a few times, yeah. that the hope is that eventually if they keep clearing and keep clearing and keep keep clearing, it will eventually work itself out. But sure, if all yeah. of this, if decades of sludge yeah. have come off the inside of the pipes, every time you pump water through it, force... That sludge has been softened by the sodium hydroxide. Now you listen, Leaven's our chemistry, and yeah, yeah, yeah. and and it's this is this is crazy. And what does I know that look? It is what it is, Irish water. But what do the ministers? What do the relevant politicians, relevant politi- politi- political leaders say about this?
14: Well, I don't know. You you heard, I know, last week that there was supposed to be a meeting between five TDs. And and to publicly debate the issue of the filthy water now, and I I don't know has, has it even happened? Yeah, and
5: there's yeah. Colum Burke, Podiga Sullivan, um, yeah. Mick Barry, yeah. and um, Tommy Gould all asked if Irish Water would attend a public yeah. meeting. Now, the last I heard, they haven't said whether they will or not.
14: And I haven't heard what the latest is either, TJ. But then again, you you have to look at the origins of of this issue as well. For about 20 years, successive governments have ignored the water system in Ireland, uh, clean water, treatment of wastewater and all that. And I think the whole idea was organised so as to promote the idea of a public utility company, which was... um, the Fine Gale Labour government for the people who set it up
5: first day to coin go. Two things, two things come to mind, Ted, if we look back at our history, and God, I remember this program, which I'm proud to say will be ten years old in only a few weeks' time, but in the very early days we, we were in the, in the height of the water charges row, yeah. and, and mm. people said, look, this is a, a new, for want of a better word, private company running our water services. One of two things is going to happen. If we have to pay water charges, they will go up and up and up and up and up. And then yeah. on the other and the water charge, And then on the other side, people will say, if we don't pay water charges, we're going to end up with dirty, contaminated water.
14: Yeah, but PJ, at at the moment, Irish water is now funded by the taxpayer. Yeah, and the whole idea behind the setting up of Irish water is to privatise water and have a private company that will then go on the stock market water will then become a commodity and and and, and, and that's fe- not a conspiracy theory because it's in happened
5: in all over america yeah yeah, yeah.
14: yeah. and we'll in, invest um money then in the private water company water
5: then becomes the, the new right. oil you know oh, So right. okay. Listen, I don't know how this is going to work out for people it's not, this is not just and thank you, thank you to Jessica I hope, I hope your, your little girls will be okay uh, and that you'll all be alright too and Ted thank you for, for putting okay, us in yeah. contact with, yeah. with Jessica because it definitely and uh, we we'll talk again Ted Tyne and thanks the water around Cork is manky Just manky. And there's Jessica, two small children. Every time they shower or have a bath, and we have the pictures, and the pictures are here in front of me. Herself and her partner are both getting this reaction to the dirty water coming out of the pipes. And it's all pretty fine to cook the spuds and make your coffee with bottled water. But you can't wash in the stuff. You might be able to do your teeth. That's about the size of it. It's a bad situation. It's one I'm pretty sure... We will be monitoring throughout the course of uh, 2024. Hi PJ, as far as I can see, Irish Water Stroke Ishka Erin was set up to collect millions from water charges and nothing else. They have no interest in fixing broken pipes or problems, says Anne. And as I said, this programme, I'm proud to say it, will be, in a matter of weeks, will be 10 years old. And um, at the very start of it, we were in the midst of the... What a charges row! And my God, that was hammer and tongs for, for a year or two. And we know what how it panned out. But now, the water in Cork is filthy for several hours every day, and it's all in the news again. Thank you. eight ninety six, ninety six, ninety six. Back to um, phone boxes and this idea that Kevin brought it up earlier on that, and I used to do it down the Grail and it was not uncommon, up even into the 90s, for you'd have to pick up the phone and ring the operator and say, can I get through to such and such a number, Oh, and reverse the charges, right, that was whatever, but then you'd be put through, the operator could hear everything you were saying, because she or he, usually it was she, who would put you through literally physically, put you through, take a piece of wire and they did this, the holly bow a few years ago had the picture on the front page of an old telephone exchange where your call would come in and a person would take a label, a cable out of the table and put it into a hole in the wall and that connected you with that particular line and this is where I'll get you an, I'll get a line have you a line? There was, a, You see? And call boxes were Part of that for it, but the reason we 're talking about this by the way, is because the car council and uh, air have gotten together now, and the fifteen phone boxes that still exist around the city and around Douglas and places like that some of them are be done away with completely, but there will be some new ones go in new modern ones there's still cause for we used to ring home from the phone box and hang up after three rings, it says Laney this meant. We were in the village, and we needed a lift home. Get away. Like that one. In Clohan, near Bandon, there was a phone box outside the post office. You could ring America for free. There was a fault in it. It only lasted a couple of days, says says Tony. And then, on the subject of, like, I'd ring up. So I want to talk to me pal, and I'm living in Fromoy, and the number is 2327. Fromoy 2327. And I'd want to talk to my pal in Mitchelstown. And he was Mitchelstown 2315. And I'd ring the operator. I mean this. I'd ring the operator and she'd plug me through. And there, I'm talking to me me pal. But the operator could hear every word I was saying. And actually, if you go and watch The Crown, I know where I'm going with this. The Netflix, The Crown, first couple of series, the very old early days of Buckingham Palace and Queen Elizabeth and all that. You could see this part of the crown where they were listening in to every word being said by the royal family. And that wasn't that was continuing into the 90s. That's how they found out about Princess Diana and you know yourself. But uh, your memories of phone boxes for, for a Friday. Cards, wheels at the side of them, operators trying to click the buttons for... Save your money. There's a fabulous video you'll find it where they they took this. I think it's I think it's from Scotland, a dial phone. So ones without buttons, a dial phone. They didn't know what to do with it. There were, a lot of these were call boxes were dial phones too. 0818 96, 96, 96 and no one has yet guessed who it was. And this is only about seven or eight years ago, I'd say, who it was that when we started one morning on the opinion line, we started ringing random phone boxes around town just to pass the time and see what anybody answer. No one has yet figured out
3: who did but someone did Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you The Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96FM.
15: Hi, it's Elmery. Join myself and Connor every Sunday morning to find out what's happening in the arts all over Cork. There's so much happening. Fantastic festivals with great events
3: for all ages and we'll tell you all about them. The Arts House. Sunday mornings 8 to 10 with Griffin's Potatoes for fantastic quality and great taste guaranteed. Choose Griffin's Potatoes. Roosters.
5: Corks, FM. Of all days, me birthday, that this comes up in front of us as as maybe a a conversation starter, but we can't resist it. This came up on a problem page, um, Katie Bourne's page. Uh, it says, I'm dating someone who's 12 years younger than me, and it's going really well. So this is someone writing to a problem page. It's a woman writing to a problem page and says... I'm dating someone who's 12 years younger than me, and it's going really well. He has no issue with the age gap. He actually prefers dating older women. She goes on to say, however, that she's been lying about her age. Aye. She's actually only nine years old. She, she's, she's 12 years older than him, but he thinks she's only nine years older than him because he's been lying about, she's been lying about her age. Uh, She put a false age, a fake age on the app, the dating app. She made herself younger on the dating app. So he thinks he's dating a woman nine years older than her, than him. She's actually dating, he's actually dating a woman who is 12 years older than him. And she's wondering, should, should she tell him? Because the relationship is going really well. And she's met his friends and family. And everything is hunky Dory and Tickety Boo, and there might be something, might be something in this, you know. Only, instead of thinking that, instead of him thinking that she's nine years older, she's actually twelve years older, and she, 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 um, she wrote into the problem page to see should should she tell him. I will tell you what the problem page said a bit. But if you, what is this about lying about your age? I'm just not telling you what age, I am? But some people will know, but. I'm not telling you. But what's the thing about lying about your age? Why do people lie about their Have you ever lied about your age? Is it a woman thing? Uh, we, I know women who lie about their age. They do. They do. And you often feel uncomfortable.
3: But what do you know?
5: It's almost seen as an insult when you ask a woman that. It could be just an ordinary conversation. But have you ever lied about your age and then found, God, I've got to keep this going now? Jesus, he only thinks I'm X. And in fact, I'm Y. And I can't tell him I'm Y or... Text or WhatsApp 083-396-96-96 so This woman is dating a man Who thinks She's nine years older than him And he's grand with that In fact She's 12 years older than him And she's wondering should she tell him Because The relationship is going really well Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. 96 96 96 Come on, come on Let's, let, let's answer the man's or the woman's question Oh wait three three ninety six pop it on a voice note if you want to do that. In the meantime, it's that time on a Friday. Hours to Protect. Brought to you by
11: Corks 96FM, the IBI, and funded by Commission Neman with the television license fee. Check out hours2protect.ie for more info.
2: This week in Ours to Protect, we look at local efforts around upcycling, which look to push us further toward the goal of a circular economy. Increasingly, fast fashion has become a concern due to the large amount of emissions in production and the waste left behind. Ireland is one of the biggest consumers and disposers of textiles in the EU. We consume 53 kilograms per person per year and throw away 35 kilograms, compared to the European average of 26 kilograms and 12 kilograms. One of the ways of mitigating this is through upcycling and repair. Fast Forward provides workshops on upcycling and repair to companies to encourage their employees to employ these vital skills. Founder Ailish Crowley explains where she came up with the idea.
16: I was inspired to start fast Forward after travelling to Sri Lanka in 2020. I came across a brand that was collecting colourful rice sacks from beaches and preparing them to be reused. They were then upcycled into luxury weekend bags and other fashion accessories. And this concept of reuse, resourcefulness and creativity inspired me to go back to university and study sustainability in ECC, working alongside Enactus UCC which is a society for student social entrepreneurs and it was a really brilliant support so I'd been working in London and I came back with the brainchild of an idea I told them about the idea I had of connecting local creative so sustainable fashion brands to host company workshops to upskill people in the areas of repairing and upcycling to teach people about the circular economy Economy and outside-the-box thinking. So they really liked the idea and throughout the course of the year while I was studying sustainability in UCC, I was working on Fast Forward and connecting with companies in court. Our mission is to save 1 million items from landfill by 2030 through the work that we do and the workshops that we carry out. To date, it saved 5 ton of CO2. Still early days. We're ambitious to reach our target by 2030.
2: Being able to repair clothing to extend its life was a once commonplace skill, but has since been lost. Ehlers says that it is a vital skill not only to prevent waste, but to extend the lifespan of clothing that causes a serious amount of carbon emissions to produce.
16: In schools now, like when I was studying, we didn't really have the opportunity to learn the skill of repair. And even in schools today, I don't think there's a module specifically on the circular economy and the concept of keeping things in reuse. So mm. that is what we want to facilitate, but also to look at waste differently particularly with our waste upcycling workshop, look at it through a creative lens and and maybe promote that outside-the-box thinking as well when it comes to waste so that things aren't just discarded, maybe when it seems like they're at the end of their life cycle, but instead the resources that went into them aren't lost and can be reused to minimise waste. 10,000 litres of water is used to make one pair of jeans. And then when you look at the overall CO2 emissions from the time of producing the cotton to Dyeing it often with chemical dyes and then transporting it from where it's made across the globe to say, Ireland, it, 33.5 kilograms of CO2 goes into one pair of jeans. So that's the mm-hmm. impact that every participant can have. And I think it's something people can feel mm-hmm. really good about when they leave the workshop. They can say, I saved 10,000 litres of water, or the equivalent of 33.5 kilograms of CO2, by keeping this pair of jeans in circulation.
2: All of this comes under an overarching theme the need to transition away from a economy, where items are produced, consumed and then discarded, to a circular economy, where items are produced and consumed, but are then recycled and reused, reducing the emissions associated with fresh production.
16: When I was studying in UCC, we learned the 9R framework. There's 9Rs, so the first one, for example, is refuse. It might be educating people around what they're buying, refusing to buy something that can't be repaired. So if it's a poor quality piece that can't be disassembled to replace component parts, it might be refusing it at that first stage, which will then save that item from going into landfill when it reaches the end of its life, the ore around rethink. So that's for people developing a product. So rethinking how it's designed. So it can be designed to be re-repaired, remanufactured, repurposed in some way at the end of its life cycle. Resource use is another ones. So looking at the resources that go into a product, are they recycled materials? Where Fast Forward really comes in into plays around repairing and repurposing and they're the ores that we're really focusing on.
2: If you would like to know more about Fast Forward and the circular economy, check the show notes of this episode.
11: Hours to Protect, brought to you by Cork's 96 FM, the IBI and funded by Commission Naman with the television license fee. Check out Protect.ie for more info.
5: Thank you, Stephen. Hours to Protect back again next Friday. There you are. We have this Problem. We'd like to solve it, and came in from a problem page. Woman's dating a man who is twelve years younger than her. Only th- he's fine with that. Only he thinks he she's only nine years older than him. She's not. He is. She is twelve years older than him. He thinks she's only nine years older than him because she lied about her age. It's getting to a point, shall we say, where everything is going swimmingly in the relationship so she's wondering should she sit him down and tell him the truth I'd love to know what you think the minds are
3: live oh, hello. join the conversation call 0818 96, 96, 96. text or whatsapp 083 3 96 96 96. email opinion at 96fm.ie this is the opinion line with PJ Coogan Fox 96 M- Can
5: I just mention at this point uh, to Kate, who's a regular uh, on the show in terms of messages sent in to us and stuff like that. Kate, thank you so kindly. A beautiful gift arrived this morning from Kate just a day or two late uh, for my daughter to take with her on her travels. But Kate, I will make sure that she gets it because in about a month or so we have to send on uh, her luggage crate on to Melbourne, so I will make sure this is in it, and I sent her a little video this morning, and she is delighted with it, so thank you so much for that Kate, very very kind of you lots of lovely people ringing as well about my birthday no, I'm not telling you what age I if you know you know if you don't, you don't, it's none of your business <laughs> um Dara McGann, thank you so much uh, Mr. Morrow and me Mr. Morrow is my lovely little cat. Thank you, whoever you are. Uh, I know no one has yet guessed who answered the phone when we did the the trick with the the payphones a few years ago. And it, like I said, this is not the Stone Age. We we picked up a, a bunch of numbers here on the show a few years back, and we started to dial them live from studio to see what would happen if you passed a phone box and saw it ringing. Would you even know? Would you even know how to do what to do with it? no no, Mick it wasn't Bernie Murphy God rest him it, no it wasn't it wasn't Andy Guy the Mary was it John Spillane good guess Annette but no it wasn't no it wasn't um, no one's guessed it yet 0818 96, 96 96 just doing this one before the news this appeared on a problem page and it's an interesting one this woman is dating a guy they met on an app as so many people do now She thinks that, or he thinks she is nine years older than him. Okay, he likes older women, that's fine. He thinks that she is nine years older. But the thing is, she lied on the app about her age. She's actually 12 years older than him. And now the relationship is going better than she thought. And she's having to deal with his friends and his family. And she's afraid that the lie will come out. And it might. So she's wondering what should she do. Uh, Should she tell him and risk trouble? Or should she keep her mouth shut and say nothing? Um, I'll read some of your advice in a minute. Mick, you're saying keep the gob shut and say nothing. Good morning.
0: Good morning. How's it going? Very good. Keep her mouth shut. Keep her mouth shut. She's getting what she wants. He's getting what he wants. It's going, it seems to be going better for her. So we'll spoil it. You understand me? Yeah.
5: What, what if, though, it came to a situation where
0: yeah, they were going on holidays together know.
5: or something and they had to hide a passport, you know?
0: Uh, well, sure me God he won't be looking at a passport no, when he's going to everything like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. If they're going so far and they're happy with what they're doing and so forth, together, it. Because yeah. if he says he's Three art if she says she feels more older than what it, it could spoil the capital together and she'd be last altogether. together she have nothing you understand me?
5: When she met him first, she thought it was just going to be a fling, but it turned out to be more.
0: Well, that's all right. Leave it going no, out for another while, and if it gets, we say to the author or well, wherever you go after that engaged, all right? That's all right. She can tell him then. Right. Is she happy with what she's getting out? or what she's doing now? Yeah. Would you would you
5: lie about your age, Mick?
0: No, that's I'm seventy four. <laughs> but but
5: <by>, you <laughs> see, by then it becomes a badge. It becomes right. a badge it becomes a badge of achievement by then. Keep his mouth <laughs> what? keep keep our mouth shut you say, Mick. Thank you. That's Mick's advice. Um, as in the old saying, age is only a number. Uh, if you're happy together, it should make no difference whether it's nine years in the difference or twenty nine years, in the difference. Okay, Sheila, who's in Silver Heights? Good morning, Silver Heights, and all the great, and all the good people up there. I think she should tell him the truth, PJ. She obviously has an issue if she's raising it. It may play on her mind, and otherwise, if he, otherwise if he loves her, then it won't be an issue. Love the show, says Sheila in Silver Heights. And Sheila, the thing is, as well, if they are getting into a deeper relationship, she could let it slip. And then they've gone down, you know. Yeah. Um, what? Was, There's was another one on there. Was, yeah. Hi, John here. I think the lady should tell the truth to her partner. I'm with my partner ten years, and I'm ten years older than him. I told him my age from day one. And Martin and Caroline, that's no big deal about the age. If they get on, there shouldn't be an issue. That's from a man, by the way. Not sure how a woman would feel. There's another twist on it. Like, if if a woman lies about her age, and her partner finds out later that she lied about her age, he may not have a big deal with it. But if a man lied about his age to a woman, and she, uh, anyway, yeah. Um, Car wants to talk about phone boxes, but first of all, you have experience of people lying about their age.
17: Morning. Hi, T.J. How are you? Happy birthday, by the way.
5: Thank you very much. Thank you very <laughs> right, much. Um, and if you know, yeah. keep your mouth shut.
17: <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no, there's nothing about the age. Yeah, um, geez, years ago, it was so funny. I met this guy, and uh, oh, he was, well, I was well, how old was I then? I was thirty-five, I think, yeah. And um <laughs> so funny. He taught me, he was partially grand, and a couple of months, Couple of, we, we kind of got into a relationship, and he asked me to do his um, car insurance, and he gave me his driving licence, he actually lied about his age.
5: And what age was he?
17: 25. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And how yeah. did you feel,
5: I mean, how did you feel about that?
17: It was grand, we ended up having two kids later, like, so. Oh, so
5: you're still with him?
17: No, we won't. Go, we can't go there. you no, listen to this. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. But you went
5: on to have two children. Ten years younger than you. Yeah. And he told you yeah. it was fine. Well, you see, I have two clear,
17: families. <laughs> I have a thirty-year-old in January, a twenty-five-year-old, a ten-year-old, and a six-year-old. So they keep me young. That's why I look at us. <laughs> they keep me going.
5: <laughs> nice one. Now, what? 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 What do you think this woman should do? Should she talk to him?
17: No, she's happy. Just leave it. I mean, three years of nothing. Just say her mother late. My mo- my mother actually um, didn't. We didn't even know her real birthday because she was. I, I think my mum was making up her age as well. So no. Terri Evans here. her mother late for years ago. <laughs> well, it's funny <laughs> now. you wrong sister. It's
5: funny that you should say that because we've just passed the anniversary of the late great Larry Gogan, and I remember yeah. when oh, La- when yeah. Larry died, we'd no idea what age Larry was. It turned out he was eighty four. Right, <laughs> we had no idea he was that old. Yeah. we everyone thought Larry was younger. He's seventy anyway. You
17: know, no one knew. No one knew. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, yeah. I mean, good you were up this morning, I'm going to plan a cake together and a minute with the kids. Good for so. you.
5: Oh, come here. Phone yeah. boxes. Yeah. What happened?
17: There was one in Cathedral Road, and the one in Artman Street as well. The one in Cathedral Road was our lifeline to our love life. Um, you ring the mother's number, looking for the the son, whatever, and. Uh, Manny, I'd like, be waiting at the phone box then for him to ring you. <laughs> he tell you ring at such a time. Yeah, i really sure my age. And then one of our neighbours had a phone. So we called them very posh because they had a soda stream as well. So we go and no, give them 20 pence thanks because we used the phone. They'd
5: have, oh, God. That was upper class. Like, not only had they yeah, a Oh, yeah. But they had a soda, had stream. A
17: soda stream. Yeah. And. Um, <laughs> Don't the tell me they had a colour jelly
5: as well now, or we'd never oh, get Oh, no
17: doubt. No, so they two front rooms and all. <laughs> the good one. Um And about my granddad, yeah, uh, he. Jesus, not going be hundred no, no, it's uh but we used to stay up there all the time. And he had a black phone and he had a lock on the you know as you said the Got um, to you put your finger, yeah. Yeah, the dial. So we discover what well, I used to what was the radio station again on the top of Shandon Street.
5: Oh God, a uh, star up over Shandon Cabs. Star, yeah. uh, star Some, Cabs. above no,
17: above Star Cabs. Star uh, Cabs Air, oh, it? no? Oh up there was, was a radio car.
5: station there. Oh God, I'm trying to think Sorry. Center, centre, centre radio. Yeah. Yeah, well, we
17: used to ring in there all the time and um, so for our I've got to tell you if your number is 308 463 that's actually my grander's number you remember right so you take off the receiver right. and you know the things that go down the the buttons uh, the button at the uh, where the receiver is like when yeah, you hang off you tap it like Morse code yeah you tap 3 then for 3 10 for 0 eight for 8 and so on and so forth yeah, and my grand couldn't understand how he was getting the bill <laughs> <laughs> I said, no wonder I actually went on to be a secretary of all the, all that happened. I don't know how of fingertips. <laughs> oh, for goodness sake. Yeah, no, there were. Best uh, memories. He... Like, I got my daughter a phone there for Christmas and she's clung to us. We're going to the Hilton. I said, the phone, I was take a step back from the phone. Um, <clears throat> the best memories, <clears throat> definitely. They are,
5: they are. There were happy times. Happy and time. when in
17: the North Main Street, I was walking up in Eva Rocha, and I um, got my Christmas money, went into Reds. And I came up, and my bone, i think—but the wages, thats i, I think I had about two hundred and so odd pounds. That was good, like that was, that was huge
2: money back then. yes, yeah. yeah.
17: So you know the phone box in Artman Street by the post office, not no opposite to it, on the same side by the that church across from Scotts. Yes. Yeah, yeah, or wherever that place was called the the toilet or Kilgrew. Sorry, Kilgrew. Yeah,
5: I know. Yeah. I know the area yeah. you're
17: talking about. Yeah. And I came. I'm. I i do not know who I was thinking Coming out from Reds anywhere. I don't know. But anyway, I lost my purse. And the guard knocked at the door the following day. This guy phoned it from Sunday as well. And he handed it into the guards. So that was my, my good thing of uh, <laughs> the phone boxes. My, my, and every penny inside in that chat. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
5: Oh, I love that one, though. The, 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 the phone, the phone, and going in. T- and, your grand, grand, and people used to do that. There was two things. Yeah. No, another thing Never, people used no, to do. couldn't can.
17: understand it then. Do
5: you remember the other one people couldn't used
17: to do? I couldn't understand it,
5: yeah. If, you were, yeah. if you had a phone, right? You could either buy the lock for the dial, but then you yeah. come across and think, think you're tight, right? And right. another thing you could do is you well, could—he wouldn't
17: give a sugar <laughs> <if he laughs> Oh yeah. was the he was.
5: you could bring, <laughs> it. was you'd but you could buy these in some shops. It was actually a, a money box,
17: and That's pe- right.
5: people used to put it next to the phone.
17: Yeah, and, and you put ten pence into in. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh ha- no! i tell you, great memories. But ha-
5: happy days. I might
17: mobile phone numbers the old Oh yeah, and. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had a friend that works in the cabs, Chuck, and he really funny. 'Cause some of ago kids going, I said, what do me Yeah, I heard you over the phone. He they were able to pick up in the phone calls on there. That's right.
5: Their, um, That's right. Radio. The, early, the, oh the early mobile phones could be picked up on the, on the scanners. Yeah.
17: Yeah, the old It was like a big, huge thing. Like, um, do you know what's his name? um uh, I should said, whatever, that, that fell at the engine felt it funny. For You know the big huge phone he'd have, yeah. it was so funny. The phone was huge. It was like uh, a walkie talkie.
5: <laughs> I had one of them, it to, took like a concrete like, yeah. block. Like, I a...
17: knew we'd like walking down the road with it, like, we couldn't fit into a bag.
5: <laughs> no, no, no. All the pockets, all the back pockets in my jeans were all stretched and ripped from sticking the phone yeah. into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. can um, leave well. it there. Thanks a million. That's great. That's great. We've gone to a whole different area now with the coin boxes um, Mary, I knew someone in about this. Morning Morning. You're in Toker Yeah What happened?
18: I had the phone rang yesterday the landline and my granddaughter was nearest to the hall so I said well, you go out and answer it and she told us when she came back in that uh, she stood in front of her for a minute not thinking how was she going to answer. Did she have to press a button or whatever? Get away. What age? Is yeah, you?
5: 25. <laughs> That's gas, isn't it? Phone is ringing. She gets the phone and she didn't know how to. Oh my God.
18: She stood in front of her and she was saying, like, I mean, she does everything. She's the latest mobile phone. She does everything. She does her work and everything mm-hmm. is on it and, you know, book holidays or do her banking on it.
5: But she'd no idea how to answer an online.
18: No, she stood in front of her minute. No, she picked it up eventually and answered yeah. it. Hello. Said,
14: well,
18: <laughs> yeah, what do I do? Do I press a button?
5: <laughs> <sighs> oh, that's a sign of the times, Mary. That's a sign. I know. Of the but it's great. It's great. I, I like that. They all, they all have mobile phones now. And you know, it's so fantastic that they do because communication is, is so much better now. But the cues of people outside phone boxes. People with the only phone in the street have a queue people trying to get in the front door and then there was two people in particular that come to mind we mentioned him last week in the context of the, the passing of the late Con O'Leary. I also referred to Davy Mack Dave, Dave McCarthy who was a, a counselor and a great character on the north side of our, our lovely city and Davy for years ran a clinic in the super value, Singleton's super value up there and he would go up to the clinic and he had a little card table and a little chair and he'd bring his notes out and people could come and visit him for Davy Max local constituency clinic. But the best bit was that the the number for his clinic was the call box, the super value call box and his little card table would be right next to the call box. That was a, a one story. Another man, who is now a very prominent uh, TD for the north side of Cork City arrived on the scene in the nineties, and he lived. Can't remember where he lived. lived on the north side, and his phone in the house. Just as he was getting into polit- political activism, the phone in the house. He was in living in a flat, and there was a call box in the reception area or in the hall of the house. There was a call box, twenty pence slot in the call box. So his office. I'm sure I have the number still written down. Became the call box, and if we wanted to, to interview him, he would ring us from the call box. He would ring the newsroom when he's ready for the interview because we do no, no we know mobile phones from then. And he said, "I'll go now, but you'll have to ring me back because I've only got twenty pence, and you'd only get about three minutes for your twenty pence." And we be trying to interview him with Mick Barry, and if he's listening, Mick Barry TD, you remember that story, Mick, as well as I do, the call box. And we're trying to get. We're trying to get through to you. Saddest ever was when Gay Byrne rang a woman in Toker who'd won a car. Yes, I remember that. On the on the Late Late Show. They used to do this draw. They still do it. Kielty still does them, I think, at the end of the show. But they, they, it would have been a massive, massive competition. And there was a card picked out of a huge, big tank full of cards. Thousands of postcards. And this woman he rang this woman to give her the car and her daughter had died that day. And this was live. There was no editing. There was no time delay. There was no nothing. This was live. It's it's on YouTube somewhere. And the master Gabo handled it brilliantly. I mean my daughter died today. And he he had a panel with him in studio and Brendan Kennelly, the poet, I think it was, was on the panel and he threw it over to Brendan to see could Brendan come up with some comforting words. Frank, that's such a memory. Thank you. There was a payphone on the inter, on intercity trains, says John McNamara. John, I don't remember that, but into the Dublin Cork train had a payphone on it. Crikey. No, it wasn't Gareth O'Callaghan who answered the phone. Florence, no, it wasn't. Uh, Well, no, Frank, it wasn't Joe Mack either. Teresa, your grandchild, is this about phones? Good morning.
18: Good morning, PJ. Uh, We were in upstate New York a few years ago with my son and grandson, and we came across a a pay phone, and my grandson Owen looked at it and said, What's this? So we explained it to him his dad and ourselves explained it to him. And then alongside it was a telephone directory. And he looked at that and said, what's that? And we said, well, that's the telephone directory. That's how people found their people's numbers. But he said, it's got their names, addresses and telephone numbers. And it was quite a thick book now. And we said, yes, he just could not comprehend it at all. And he was about 15 at the time, 15 or 16. He's now 19.
5: Yeah. (laughs) It's amazing, isn't it? it. He'd never seen a phone book.
18: Never seen a phone book, never seen a payphone.
5: I mean, it was only about six months ago, and I can't remember what it was now, but I was looking for a number for someone, and I didn't have it in my phone. And like an idiot, I went looking for a phone book.
18: I <laughs> know. <laughs> Old habits die hard. That the
5: truth. That's fantastic. He had no idea. He'd never seen a payphone. 15 never years of age. Pay He'd never seen paper. And he, he had no idea what a phone book was. And that's only. No. How long ago was that? But, four years ago. Um,
18: four, four or five years ago, yes. uh, roughly. You see, people yeah. think
5: people think here, Teresa, we're talking about the Stone Age. We're not. No, we're not. That's, yes, that's so funny. Thank you, Teresa. Oh, 0818. 96, 96, 96. That's, that's, that, that's the memory that I don't have. A payphone on the intercity trains. Thanks for that one, John McNamara. And John, thank you for, or Frank, thank you for raising that story of Gabo on The Little Late Show. I was watching it. I was actually watching it because, um, like everybody else in the country, we sent in a postcard to see could we win this car. And there was... Thousands of them. And back then they used to put a big, huge tank of cards on the studio floor. and There'd be a big exhibition made of someone digging right down deep to pull out a card. And the card would have a phone number on it. And Gabo, like like Paddy Keelty does, or like Ryan Torbeny did for a while, uh, would be, ring the number, and then you had to be there and all this. number. He rang the number, and the woman answered, and he told her she'd won the car, and she didn't sound too happy about it. And he put it to her that you don't sound too excited. And then she told him that her daughter had died that day. And in the flick of an eyebrow, he turned it. That's why he was the greatest. 96, 96, 96. Lovely memory, Frank. We are more.
3: Listen to Cork's 96FM on your smart speaker. Press play and step to the beat. Simply say, play. Cork's 96FM. I
5: think we're kind of divided for our lady who is 12 years older than her boyfriend and he thinks she's nine years older. What should she do? We're kind of divided between keep your mouth shut, Mrs. and we all be grand. And you better front up and tell him before the relationship goes any further. We'll have to try and get a definitive answer on that one, she is going out with him, she's met him on an app, he thinks she's nine years older than him, it's all going better than they thought it would, she is in fact 12 years older, and she's wondering whether she should tell him before the relationship goes any further, like she's meeting his friends and family, and all that crack, we're we're divided now between whether she should keep him out shut, or front up and tell him, and take the risk. Before we talk about the post on the boys and girls and knocking James me, what would you do? Morning.
7: Peter, happy birthday and happy new year to you. Thank you, sir. Would, 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 would you uh, think she should tell the truth? Um, I don't know, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no one um, seems to know. No, one's... I really don't. I mean, it's, you know, it's <laughs> what it is, I suppose. I no, I'm <laughs> I laughing at this. I don't, the... I don't know. I've no opinion on it. All anything. right,
5: the point... The I want to talk to you about the, the post you put up. I laughed at it during the week when I saw it on the Boys and Girls and Knocker Facebook page, of which I've been a member for years. Everyone who had talks too much on their school report cards, what do you do for a living? Now, I used to have that. Talks a little bit too yeah. much, you know. <laughs> and look what I no, do. No, you're a DJ. <laughs>
7: so there you go. Yeah. No, uh, do you know what? No, it was the post I was putting it up. I, I did have Class Clone. I had a couple of them, but I think talks the most that was the thing that would have been on a lot of report cards back then wouldn't it just talking in the class quite talkative but, um, talk yeah but um, yeah there was a couple of responses on it, to it there was one DJ actually came up said I'm a DJ and it was a bit um, there was a nurse came up said I, you know things like that you know, hairdresser too I, I thought it all be politicians or something you know but no it, was, it wasn't bad or even fairness the, the answers it's funny though
5: they used to put that I don't know if they do they put that on school reports anymore I wonder do they
7: I'd say it's just not probably, probably. they might say not paying attention enough or something. You know, maybe to put it that way.
5: Yeah. Did it was it on, was know. it on your
7: report card? Um. No, to be honest, actually, surprisingly enough, I'm actually quite shy. Like one on one, I'm fine. But if I'm in a group talking, I'd be nervous. You know, so I wasn't really a talkative person. You know, a lot of people be surprised at that, but it's true. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and like
5: you, it last time I met you, you were driving a bread van. Like you meet people That's all right. the time.
7: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, yeah, all the time. Yeah, now. no, but that's one-on-one. I be chatting to people all the time. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I enjoy talking. I love talking, to, talking. But if I was like there was a few people in front of me and I was talking, I'd be a bit conscious of what I'm trying to say. You know, where well, if I'm one-on-one, I can just freely speak. That makes sense. I does.
5: Yeah, yeah. And of course, as well as I guess yeah. when you go out in the morning on your rounds, you're meeting kind of the the same people every day, and you know that the weather's going to come up, and you know that. Maybe something the in the weather's always. Yeah, yeah.
7: Weather was always the one. The weather was great. Yeah. It was a lovely day today. Well, as long as it's free. Yeah, yeah. Mornings.
5: Mornings that's are getting it. bright now, aren't they? That's in, they'll have that down that's in a few weeks one. time. That's the next one. That'll be coming next I'm, month. Yeah. <laughs> the, about, about four weeks now before you start to see the the the, the light before stretch. seven o'clock.
7: That's right. Yeah. And just stretching the evening. That's
5: another yeah. one. Uh, yeah. That will. They're they're on about the grand stretch since about the twenty second of December. Although there is a bit of stretch. Are there? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
7: do you know what's weird actually I, pass, I passed um, I was out here in York, uh, Columbia earlier on and I passed the field and it was full of daffodils yeah isn't that strange
5: it's very early but it's it's yeah, yeah. We had this, I hope the frost now won't kill them off
7: yeah the, that's the thing we throw in March isn't it again that kind of a know, yeah. February March I think we get a bad don't we? No, I no I, I've never saw that before you know <laughs> <There's laughs> Yeah, you
5: tell me now you're not a talker and you just brought this conversation down a whole new road did I? you
13: did you did where
5: are we just in case people have um, didn't miss or missed the start of what we're talking about this is about the boys and girls in Naka. you put up this post Anyone who had talks too much on their school report card, what do you do for a living? And the number of people that came back. You, know, the hairdresser, came back. You, know, me, and you've you've others. So yeah. and it was it was common enough. You, James, have a good day, my friend, and uh, best best of luck to everybody. That's James Toomey, boys and girls. It's one of the best pages on Facebook. And I'm not just saying that because he's a friend of the show and I meet him around the place from time to time. And you don't even have to be from Opneeni uh, to, to join it. Um, uh, it was <laughs> Ro- Rosari, for example and responded by saying, that was on my bird shirt. <laughs> Come back to our woman whose boyfriend thinks she's nine years older than him, but she has been lying. She lied on her app when they met, and now things are gone, well, they're going well. They're going better than she thought they would. And she's wondering, well, should she sit him down and say, actually, I'm 12 years older than you. In other words, I'm 30 and you are, you're 30, and you think I'm 39, I'm actually 42. Or you're 25, and you think I'm 34, I'm actually 37. Is it a conversation she should have? Aaron, morning.
15: Morning, how are you?
5: What do you think she should do?
15: Ah, tell the truth, shouldn't be a big deal. I don't think there's a big difference between three, look, nine years and 12 years. No, nothing in it. Yeah. And, if they're, and if they're getting on that well... I, to be honest, I don't think it should be a big deal whatsoever, just just telling the
5: truth Do you think she's worried? And I think myself, I, I think, I I think women worry more he's about more,
15: age he's Definitely more so, but it, like, if she's actually got to know him, and they're getting on as well as what he says, they're getting on I think he'd laugh about it if he's any sense of humour at all, he'd laugh about it I'd laugh about it, I wouldn't, it wouldn't make a difference to me whatsoever between 9 and 12 it doesn't make a difference whatsoever he, he, he made funny. it clear
5: from earlier on that one of the reasons he selected her from the app was she was a bit older and he likes women to be a bit older. It's just she's a bigger bit older than he thought.
15: I three years. You were telling me three, nine, between nine years and, th- and 12. That's not... There's nothing in that whatsoever. If he likes a mature woman, the one that has actually a bit of, a bit of common sense on her head, well, there you go. It's not going to make a difference. Yeah.
5: Although there's someone on the phone, a man on the phone... Outside is saying, "Well, the foundations of any relationship need to be right, and that like, know, the foundations you know, of the truth. We Lying we isn't all,
15: nice." We all know, PJ. You mm. know, from from a young age, we lie about stupid things. And I think she's obviously self conscious about her age, and she really likes the guy, whatever. But just she really likes him, and he really likes her. He's not going to batter an eyelid for that. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's going to make the slightest bit of difference. In fact, as I said, there, I think he'll actually laugh about it.
5: You'd, you'd like you know, to think so, anyway. It looks like a bit well, like.
15: I, I personally would. I personally would. Would make a blind difference to me.
5: My, the Queen's bees birthday is in in May, and and from now until May, I'm officially five years older than her, and she'll make a play about that. But then, realistically, but that, but that's that's the kind of thing people do, you know.
15: Uh, look, people are always people are always going to you know make judgment no matter what. Anyway. <laughs> It doesn't make a difference about whether it's the age or yeah. you know, or who they're with or what they're doing. It's just always comments.
5: Tell him tell him, says you, and if he's for real then he really won't care. Thanks, Aaron. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I'm delighted with all the birthday wishes. I'm, I'm i I normally don't say a whole pile about my birthday. Um I've had rather too many of them now to be talking about. But this, I was, and thank you to Katie in the newsroom and the whole team in here this morning surprised me with, with a cake, which was, it was nice and it was a little bit emotional too, because normally, normally it's, well, it's, it's the gemster who does the birthday and she'd arrive in and we'd, what I missed tonight now is she won't be there for a can of beer, but there you go. It just made up for you that you don't actually realise, lads, how, and that never happened before. You don't realise this morning, lads, how much that I actually meant to me when you did it. So, thank you, uh, the Ryan, fam- Ryan family in Klein. Thank you for that. Um, Twenty one plus VAT, yeah, VAT, excise duty, and carbon tax. But there you go. Thank you all. Love the show, says Paula. Uh, we're doing a break rather than the song, are we? All right. Well, let me get rid of that because we've more people to talk to, and the, including the person who rang. No one's guessed it. Nobody's guessed it. There's the whole topic of phone boxes. That it seven or eight years ago on the program here just in case you missed out earlier on, we got a list of phone numbers for the phone boxes on Patrick Street. And I'm looking here now, and we started ringing the right-hand side, and then if we didn't get so right, we were to come back up the left-hand side. And we just down, I think it was outside Waterstones, someone answered the phone. And when they did, I said, of all people, no one's answered, no one's guessed it yet. Still haven't got a definitive for this woman with the problem, should she tell him or not. But I think we're veering towards the fact that if the relationship is as good as she says, sit him down, buy him a drink and say, come here, I've something to tell you and it'll all work out just fine. No, it wasn't Brendan Grace who answered the phone. It wasn't Jimmy Barry Murphy who answered the phone. It wasn't Cha and or Maya. No, it wasn't. No, someone's got to guess this. Someone's got to guess this. But if our two people in this couple with the age gap were to get together and get married down the line do you know how much it might cost them Hannah Quinn Mulligan has been writing about weddings in the Farming Independent and thinking about maybe people renting out barns for weddings which would be a nice thought but she was putting Hannah Hannah, you were putting the figures together the average amount people spend on their wedding in 2023 was 32 and a half grand? Holy moly! Like for some people, Hannah, like that's that's a year's wages. Morning.
19: Good morning. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, it's a staggering figure.
5: Now that's hotel, ceremony, dress, cake, cars. Well, I, I assume all of it together.
19: All of it together, according to the stat, and that's but that's only for a hundred people. And you know yourself, a hundred people is considered a small wedding in Ireland. I was comparing it to my friend's wedding when she told me how much she was spending on her wedding this year. But she's spending actually more than the 32 and a half thousand. And it just it just struck me as being mad money when she when she told me how much she was spending. Um, but may, maybe it's each to their own. But I don't think I'd be spending that much if I was getting married.
5: Well, at a time when people are saving furiously to try to get a deposit for a house, it sounds like could put 32 yeah. and a half grand to an awful lot better use.
19: That is it. Exactly. Yeah. And I I don't mean to be a grinch about weddings. I know some people have a big plan for their big day and and everything. But I feel like perhaps couples feel pressurised, A, to get married and then B, to invite half the county to the wedding. And I just don't think you need to do that. You know, especially, Mm. you know, I've been invited to weddings before by, you know, friends that I mightn't have seen for 10 years. And I just think, look, you didn't I I would love to have sent you a gift. I'd love to have sent you a card. Mm. But, you know, I'll, I'll see you at some point you don't need to pay for me to be part of this big wedding
5: did this 32 grand plus by the way include a honeymoon
19: no, it's oh not. God. That's a very good question. I know, okay. I know, because you have to take that into account as well.
5: Now barn weddings. You talk about barn weddings. I I played at one. Believe it or not, it's a long time ago now. It's the bones <laughs> of two. I did a DJ did a barn wedding. Brilliant. Very film. nice. Up in the up in North Cork, and and they're on telly. American drama does a lot of them. And there's one in a great favourite show of mine, Virgin River. There's a couple of barn weddings in that. They're popular in other countries. We don't seem to do it here though.
19: No, well, I guess if you think of America, if you think of Canada where they're trying to incentivize farmers to diversify a bit and to think about weddings, um, they're using their nice big red barns as wedding venues. We don't really have them here. I don't think a slatted shed. <laughs> But uh, No, we don't would, have the weather cover, for that. Cover, no. cover, cover the, the needs, even, even a very well power-washed one. But I was just thinking, you know, some farms are very scenic and would make lovely wedding venues. And I think some farm families would be brilliant at them as well. You know, it's all about tapping into maybe assets that are on the farm, maybe family members that have gone away and come back and now maybe have marketing skills and that kind of thing. And, you know, as a farmer myself, I'm always... I guess we'd always be looking at kind of the money side of things. And perhaps if there wasn't a lot of money out of cows, there'd be another way to to tap into something. else.
5: How does it work? The farmer rents whatever barn they have and they rent the space. And then you bring Mm. in what you want, bring in your mobile bar, bring in your music, put down your dance floor.
19: Yeah, well, it could could be lovely. I mean, actually, my aunt had her wedding on the farm here. And what she did was she rented a big marquee and we had it in a field next to the house and, um, you know, she hired in the caterers and the band and all that kind of thing. But it was lovely because, you know, we had kind of a a big field close to the road, so everyone parked in the field. It was summertime. No one had to be pulled out. It wasn't like the ploughing or anything (laughs) like that. Um, And then it was lovely because then in another part of the field, she'd set up kind of a bonfire area. So, you know, people were dancing in late into the night or they went over to the bonfire and Oh, yeah, it was It was actually, that was an amazing wedding, act, yeah. actually. So, you know, there is a possibility for stuff there. Or if people have old, you know, there's grants now going to renovate um, old houses and things like that. But you know, if you had maybe a big old barn, a stone barn, that would make a lovely wedding venue
5: with fairy lights
19: inside it as well.
5: You could clean them out quite easily and. Be, yeah. yeah.
19: It's, it's, and actually in Cork, there's a lovely uh, farm that does uh, weddings, Vallon House. Um, people probably have heard of it. Yeah. And they've d- done something to one of their uh, barns. And that's a beautiful wedding venue. I've actually, I've been there before um, visiting the place.
5: That would cut costs on a big hotel.
19: Potentially. I mean, like how long is a piece of string? Everyone has maybe an idea of what they want their big day to be. Um, so, you know, someone's idea of a, of a wedding price tag might be very different to someone else's idea of a wedding mm-hmm. price tag, even dresses. I know my friend, for example, who I, I, I was the inspiration for the piece that I wrote in Farming Independent, you know, she has spent over a thousand euro on a dress. Uh, whereas I know someone else who got a dress off eBay for 40 euro and then ha- went to a seamstress and had it adjusted to fit her for I think another maybe 50 euro and know. it looked it looked a million dollars actually. It, it, looked, so, it yeah. looked a
5: million rather than just 50 or 60, 50 or 60 euro. Mm. As, a, as a farmer yourself, so to speak, Hannah, mm-hmm. you, t- you tell a story about something that came up at a, a pre-marriage course, for want of be a better word, that had never come up before and they said they open-mouthed. Oh yeah. Well, what happened there? Oh yeah.
19: Well, thankfully, it wasn't my pre-marriage course. I have I have little or no intention of ever getting married. Actually, I should probably put that out there. But, um, but uh, my my one of my good friends, she's getting married this year. She had her Catholic pre uh, pre-marriage course with her with her intended and they separated the boys and the girls into different, different groups, and the girls went off, and the senior instructor was putting up on a, you know, on a, on a whiteboard, you know, well, what could be possible, possible reasons for conflict in a marriage? And everyone was saying, oh, well, if he doesn't do the dishes or if he doesn't take the washing out or all this kind of thing. And my friend, the, this very straight-talking farmer's daughter, comes out with, Land, and everyone just looked at it and say, "What? Land? How could land ever be be an issue? And uh, she went on to explain how land could be an issue. You know, if someone's marrying into a farm or if a family has had a farm for a long time, there can be a worry there that if the marriage ends unhappily in divorce, if someone has a hundred acres, you know potentially the person that marries in could walk away with fifty acres. What does that do to to the farm business?
5: oh I see so if a yeah. non- so, so,
3: farmer so that
19: was that, that was why she was bringing up bringing up the issue of, I of
18: land.
3: Have you uh, know you because see if, you're,
19: if you're if you're a solicitor for example and you get divorced your your former spouse doesn't usually walk away with half the company you still have the means to make a livelihood yes uh, but if you're if you're a farmer you know if your land is split in two potentially but, you don't have the same
5: particularly uh, if you, you were living there with the spouse
19: yeah, that, that's it exactly. And no, I don't want to be overly negative because I mean, no. I'm obviously a, wo- a woman that owns land. Uh, but I do also see in my role as a journalist when I go around lots of farms, if there are diversification things happening, like we were talking about earlier with the weddings on a farm, it's usually the woman who has married into a farm who's doing that. Um so, you know, you don't want to be overly negative at the same time and put women off the idea of marrying a farmer. <laughs> well, there's lots of reasons not to marry a farmer. <laughs> we never have holidays. <laughs> we, we're usually wearing wellies all the time and you better get used to the smell of silage. You don't really want to add any more to that list. <laughs> I love but, um but yeah, so I guess it's 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 a tricky one to navigate because I guess farm families might be nervous about a, a yeah. marriage ending in divorce, but also a woman who marries in can bring an awful lot of perspective, or a man who marries in can bring an awful lot of perspective yeah. that might be needed as well to For, um to to people who might be a bit stuck in the mud. Our yeah.
5: problem is, of course, that prenups, even if you go and draw one up with the best solicitor in the land, prenups aren't worth the paper they're written on this country.
19: Yeah, that's it exactly. I mean, you are actually be better off um, perhaps cohabiting with someone but writing a contract out about the cohabitation because that contract would probably stand up um, instead of and uh, never marrying them rather than um, prenuptial agreement because they just don't stand up because marriage, the contract of marriage overrides a, a prenuptial agreement.
5: You mentioned you have absolutely no intention of getting no. married. Care to, care to explore no.
19: that for a if, minute? If I, if, if, if I ever do, it'll be very, it'll be very, very kind of small, a small affair. Um, but that's, I, I mean, I think, you know, some people grow up and they have this fixation on like a big day and having their wedding as a big day. I mean, I'd rather have a big birthday party and have all my friends to the farm and do something like my aunt did maybe for her wedding and get yeah. a marquee. Yeah. I just think if you love someone, I don't really think you need to get married. But you see, it's different for me because I'm already a farmer that owns land and a house. You know, it's very different. Um, say, and then then that might change if I meet someone who wants the security. If they're going to move in to me, in with me, maybe they would want the security of knowing
5: that they're not going to get kicked out. <laughs> would something. would they be rude to call you a
19: cat? <laughs> I you don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I like. I think I think I gave you the list of more reasons not to marry a farmer already, didn't did, I? Yeah, In terms of <laughs> the, the scent, silage. Of silage, scent of silage is never far, far away. Yeah.
5: Well, is your barn for rent if someone wanted a venue?
19: I'd never say no if someone wanted to come and check it out. Maybe not in the next month or two because we have calving so we have to get calving sorted in the that, barn. It would could... be great actually. If, you, if I had one of those big American barns that you know you mentioned there and we've seen probably in TV programmes and I was able to use it in the wintertime to store hay and calf cows and then in the summertime I could clear it out and put fairy lights on it mm. and make it into a really nice venue. I mean, that would be very clever. If you could do something like that it'd be brilliant.
5: I might even come and DJ for you. Hannah, a pleasure. Thank you.
19: Not at all. Take care. Bye bye.
5: Take care. Uh, yeah, have a nice weekend. Uh, asking a farmer to have a, have a nice weekend. I know. I know. Every weekend's the same in farmland, except the weather changes. No, it wasn't. Uh, thanks, Hannah. It wasn't Killian Murphy answered the phone. No, no. Nor was it Michael Flatley, Anna. No, it wasn't Mike Murphy either. But I know when the phone was picked up, I said, I don't believe it. Hello, John. And the
4: Oscar goes too?
5: (laughs) (laughs) No, I remember the day very well. You were walking down Patrick Street. We were acting the fool with phone boxes. You heard one ringing and you picked it up.
4: Yeah, because strangely enough, that time I mean, you would be going through town and I don't know, did you ever come across the situation? where you would be passing a phone box and obviously someone had made some form of arrangement and the phone would be ringing. And a lot of time, people would actually go into the box and pick up the number and talk to the person that was a stranger, you know. But um, I just happened to be passing that there, and the phone was ringing. It's not just phone ringing. So he opened the door and went and picked her up, like it was on the other end of it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> of, of, of all people. <laughs> That's exactly what you said. Of all the people Jesus, not him. <laughs> it was. And
5: we were hoping against hope that by the end of the show that day, somebody would... But you're, you're right. Like, it could be a wrong number, but it could be someone with an arrangement. It could be someone just ringing for help. If a phone box rings, answer it.
4: Well, that, that was the rule at the time that you should answer, but you'd never know, like, I mean, what the situation at the other end was, you know? Mm. But uh, people didn't think twice about just opening the door, went and pick up the receiver, and say hello. Yeah. You know. But look, there were simpler times and were. That thing with the button B and button A, and then you don't know the money. And the operator
18: would say, "Press button A," and say, "I just have to press this. Keep pressing this. I can't press it anymore." <laughs> I know.
5: And ringing, ringing the operator. Like, do you remember ringing the operator? Like, did you ever, did, did you ever do reverse think- charges? I did,
4: but actually when, when, when I was younger, about about seventeen 17, 18, when they would be ringing that and there, there was some lovely looking, uh, sounding girls on the other end, the operator, and uh, myself and my buddies, used to be chatting them up, we used to be asking them out. You <laughs> know, some, some, some of them were very flirtatious, some of them were just biting it off, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
5: You used to dial one zero and ask for free phone inquiries was another one. Yeah. Or you could, do, you ever, do you ever remember ringing the clock? Ringing the speaking clock?
4: Oh yeah, yeah. Sure. That that was that was another uh, something else was done. Well, right, look, you know something. I'm glad to see that they're not gone complete. You know they're putting a new form of yeah. them in because, look, there's nothing the change in your lifetime or my lifetime. I'm older than you, so the thing is that I don't know. A lot of the changes unsettling. Like as I said, if I if I'm ever out for a walk, Fiji and the doc turns up and the DeLorean, and he says, Great Scott, John, where do you want to go? I say, Take me back to 1970. And that's it. I'm gone. <laughs>
5: <laughs> John, listen, have a nice weekend. Thank you very much. Great okay, John O'Donovan, who answered that random phone number in the middle of the town years ago. when We were doing this on the show. We've had fun with this this morning, a lot of fun. Yeah, you'd, you'd ask, you dial 10 and ask for free phone inquiries. Then you dial 190, then 11811. Now you just check it on your mobile and you wonder. Yeah, times have changed, but have they changed for the better? Hard to know, isn't it? But That's it from, from us uh, for today and for this week. Programme edited by Imro Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Thank you for joining what's been a really fun conversation today in whatever way you did. We think she should tell him her real age and see where it goes. I will talk to you Monday just after nine.